0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: One of my favorite days of the year. Starting out, leading off one of my favorite weekends of the year. Especially considering, like when I was in, you know, in your college years in your late in your late twenties. It's such a fun time when everybody's coming back home and, and reconvening and getting ready to go out for Thanksgiving. And then obviously the day after Thanksgiving, I love it. Pacers are going to be in action. You've got the football state championships. Brendan will be a part of that. You've got the circle of lights. A uh, ton going on. But of course, instead of looking forward to the weekend and Thanksgiving tomorrow, we'll definitely take a look back at some of the events from yesterday. How are you? My name is Jake Query. Brennan King here as well. So to Eddie Garrison, it is Query and Company here on 93.5 107.5 The Fan. Uh, Jimmy Cook apparently is expected. My understanding is that they are supposed to, the case is supposed to go to the jury today. He was selected um, and they are anticipating that they will be able to reach a verdict by this afternoon. So he should be back with us on Monday. We will be off on Friday four football state championship games, and then, again, uh, back in the swing of things on Monday after the Colts and Bucks game. But I want to begin with this. Brendan, I will ask you, I will ask Eddie as well, and those of you listening, you know, yesterday, to, to kind of go back and rehash what took place towards the end of our show, you had the news that... Shaquille Leonard had been released by the Colts, and that obviously was like, "Whoa!" As a matter of fact, I think Eddie's subtle on-air reaction when he saw the tweet was, "Oh my god!" It was, "Oh crap!" Is that what it was? Yep.
2: Well, you're like shaking your phone at us, like,
1: "Look, look, look!" Yeah. So, but here's the thing: I don't think that that has anything to do with the Jim Sey interview last night. I know that that's it's a fair affair probably inquiry for people to have but the the reality is this last night did you watch the Jim Merce interview on HBO
2: I've only caught clips because I don't have HBO okay
1: did I you did. watch it Eddie I did okay I thought to be honest with you the the sneak previews if you will it was kind of like one of those movies where all the highlights are in the previews and then you see the movie oh, and you're sure. like, well I've seen all this that was kind of the case there were a few things I thought there there was one part where, you know, I it, it was it was very, very sad. And for all of the talk about Jim Mersey and, and Andrea Kramer profiling, you know, his music and talking about his addiction and his arrest and the comments and how, you know, how drawn in the sand he was about the fact that his arrest in Carmel was unjust for all of those things. To me, the most heartbreaking part of the entire interview wasn't even about Jim Irsay. I mean, it was to an extent or anything else going on. It was when, and you and to this point, it is about Jim Irsay. You could see the absolute pain, disappointment, and partially embarrassment from Jim Irsay when divulging to Andrea Kramer. That when it, when Jim Ursay's disabled brother passed away, his father did not go to the funeral, and you know Jim Ursay was he was made an only child by the passing of his brother and the fatal accident of his sister, and you could see in the interview the pain in his eyes. You could see probably also to an extent the survivor guilt in his eyes. It was a it was a heavy thing that he was carrying. And I personally thought above the addiction, the the dedication to AA, all of it. I thought that was the most overriding point of the entire thing was, and I'll credit Jim Mersey. Jim Irsay didn't come out and say, this is why I am as I am, but he didn't have to because it was, it kind of explained itself. But after the interview, Bryant Gumbel added his own two cents, where he kind of took a swipe at Ursay. and Jim Ursay today sent the following tweet, HBO's Real Sports is why kicking the stigma is so important to our efforts, defeating the stigma of the disease of addiction, alcoholism. If I had overcome pancreatic cancer, I'm a courageous hero. Instead, Brian, he says Brian, but it's Brian, Brian Gumble treats me with mean-spirited contempt. So sad. That is a fair point, but I would say this, and I commend Jim Mersey's transparency, his vulnerability, and everything that I just said. However, the irony here, I'm not saying it makes one right or wrong, whatever else, but the the irony in all of that is that to an extent, and I think this is human nature, I think Jim Mersey falls into, he's a human. So there's a human nature element of this. I think all of us if you're in a in an argument with your girlfriend, your your parents, your teacher, whatever it might be, your boss, anytime that some sort of a weakness or fault of yours is exposed or discussed or critiqued or disciplined, a natural human nature reaction is to try to find like a credit that offsets it. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, so I did stay out late with the guys last night, but what about the time I sacrificed and went to your mom's house? You know, whatever, right? Like, that's the, that is a human nature thing. It doesn't make Jim Mercier a bad guy. That is human nature. It is human nature that when your a, a weakness or a fault of yours is discussed, that you try to offset that by illuminating something that you did that was a credit to you. And in Jim Mercier's case, the entire kick in the stigma is absolutely a wonderful thing that he is doing to try to help other people by it by showing his own mistakes and vulnerability however it does not mean that he is immune to criticism in other areas and if Bryant Gumble maybe the timing seemed ill but if this but I don't know how Bryant Gumble how often Bryant Gumble would be discussing Jim Irsay if Bryant Gumble feels like there is something that he wants to add that tells the totality of the story of Jim Irsay then the weaknesses do not make Jim Mercer immune, or excuse me, the, 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 the transparency does not make him immune to the weaknesses. Just like, for example, the one player in talking about the kicking the stigma initiative, The one player in the Indianapolis Colts organization that most took that mantle and went public with their own battle in kicking the stigma is Shaquille Leonard. And yet when it came down to it, Shaquille Leonard, when it came down to critiquing his weakness, which was his his recent level of play versus his contract, the fact that he was somebody that stood up for kicking the stigma was, while commendable, it did not shield him from the Colts organization critiquing his performance and parting ways with him. So it is ironic that on a day that that took place where the face of the kicking the stigma initiative from a player standpoint was parting ways with the Colts by the Colts decision because One did not necessarily shield from the other. The same could be true for analyzing Jim Irsay in terms of some of his transgressions over the last 10 years. Was it ill-timed by Brian Gumbel? Probably. But my point being, was it ill-timed by the Colts? Maybe. All of it, to me, is interesting.
2: I don't know if there was ever a good time for that to come out. I mean, Especially that Irsay is still the number one story on ESPN.com with the, quote, rich white billionaire. Which, you had to think at least the Colts had time to prep for that, right?
1: They did. That is correct. They were aware. I mean, the the Colts were, yes, they were aware that that quote was going to be public. Yes. I, and I, I agree with you. The the other thing I think, and I get, look, Jim Say was very, he was very adamant in that line, and he was angry.
2: Oh, he and, I, that was one of the clips I saw. I mean, that was as in-depth as we've seen. I mean, he was passionate about saying that. Here's the one
1: thing that, that worries me is the wrong word, but that I find interesting. I think Jim Mersey is beloved by his players. Same. I think players love him. I think they love his passion. I think that all of it. I mean, I, I don't know that any owner-player relationship has been cooler over the last 20 years than Jim Mersey and Edron James, for example. And the players that know him and are around him, I think, love him. And that probably, I would assume that that becomes the overwhelming narrative and discussion amongst locker rooms within the NFL. However, and I don't necessarily want to go down the slippery slope, Brendan, of this political debate because people are tired of it, quite frankly, but in an era, this has probably always been true, but in particular where it has been particularly polarizing and sensitive of the last couple of years. In an era where oftentimes young African-American men feel that there is a prejudice against them within the judicial system, it would be seemingly, I could see how it would turn off some prospective players that would be interested in the Indianapolis Colts to know that in fact there is an owner who is on public record saying that he actually feels the judicial system is biased against white, white rich billionaires. His words, not mine. That part probably he 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 would like a do-over on, I would think.
2: Oh, that whole section of the interview for sure. And be it again, I I don't have HBO. I could not watch the whole thing, but the clips on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, that was one of them. And I guess there were just questions that came out of it. Of course, he pleaded guilty to the charge of a misdemeanor count of operating a motor vehicle while intoxicated. And when asked why he pleaded guilty, just to get it over with,
1: I mean. It was just an awkward portion of the interview, Jake. No? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But he was, it was awkward, but at the same time, like he, his, the, the, for a lot of the interview, he, he was very subdued. And that one, he was very energetic. So, I mean, he, hmm. he was very clear in his desire to prove himself exonerated.
2: They were with him for how long? Six days? Six
1: days. Yes. I mean, so
2: so that's the one you're saying that's really the one section of maybe this. Now, we didn't see the whole thing clearly, but that's the one section of the six days that went bad.
1: Well, when they when they sat down with him, I mean, they followed him around. Yeah, right. Now, I don't oh, think it wasn't ba- separate interviews. It was one. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so my understanding is, you know, it wasn't like Andrea Kramer was like. Hey, I'm moving in tomorrow, and I'm going to be here till Sunday. Let me know what you want for breakfast. It wasn't that. I think it was that they over the course of six days, while HBO Real Sports was here, they went and you know, like they were here when the concert took place, so they went to that and got footage of it. They, I don't know if Andrea Kramer herself was here for six days, but the all of the interviews clearly were done in one sit down interview. In one sit down interview is wh- where they were done. Um, but I thought overall, I, I you know. Overall, I thought it was well done and I thought that he came off I thought he came off like a human, quite frankly. And and, and I think people appreciate that. I think Colts fans appreciate that. I think you know you understand. Look, money is awesome. He's got four and a half billion dollars, right? A a large portion of that was is publicly subsidized, but, but kudos to him because he negotiated that and absolutely kudos to him. Right. But you know, the old saying money can't buy happiness. There is a lot of truth to the fact that, that, you know, so much, I will tell you this, Brendan, let let me, let me share this with you. In 2020, in January of 2020, I got laid off from a job, right? And look, I mean, I'm a nobody, but still it was different than being laid off from an architecture firm. And the fact that my getting laid off from a job was, was in the newspaper. And so then you have naturally the people that are like, Oh, you got fired. You know? Okay. I mean, however you want to look at it, there's nothing I can do about that. Right. But there were a lot of questions of like, well, what are you going to do next? And again, I'm a nobody. I mean, I'm not talking, it's not like it's not like I was getting hounded by the paparazzi. I don't want this to be misunderstood. but TMZ there, is in there, India now. Right. But there was some interest as to what myself and Derek Schultz were going to do next, right? And I didn't know. I knew I had a non-compete. I knew I couldn't do anything if I wanted to, for the most part. And, of course, I didn't know that we were two months away from COVID, so the whole world was going to shut down and we actually were getting laid off before it was trendy, right? So so at any rate, I knew that I was going to just take some time to chill, Right. But I thought to myself, you know what, if there are actually people that are interested to know what I'm doing, which is very flattering, and I'm very fortunate for that, and I'm also smart enough to know, there's a real small window of time that that's going to be the case in my life, right? Like, I knew that. I mean, like, for two months, people cared about what I was going to do, and after that, it becomes old news. I knew that. But I called my friend Steve Kerr at Wheeler Mission, and I said, and who at that time, he's retired now, but Steve worked for Wheeler Mission, and I said, Steve, here's the deal. I know that I can't really do anything right now anyway due to non-competes and contracts and whatever else. So why don't we do this? When I was a kid, I would have lunch. My mom would take me down to downtown Indianapolis, and we would find people downtown near the hot dog carts, and my mom would buy extra hot dogs, and I would ask people on the benches and in Military Park and in the American Legion Mall if they wanted a hot dog, and I would sit there and talk to them about the Reds and the 500 and whatever else, and, and we'd have hot dogs. And my mom later said jake you realize those people were all homeless right and i go yeah i mean i guess i did and she said but that didn't bother you because to you all you cared about is that you made new friends i mean i was like eight right so i just thought in tribute to my mom who's still with us fortunately but that i would do kind of that and take advantage of the the fact that people were seeing what i was going to do next and i said to steve why don't i do a lunch every day for 30 days a different lunch with a different person at Wheeler mission and talk to them. And then with their permission, tell the story of how they ended up living in a shelter in downtown Indianapolis. And so Steve found 30 people that were residents that were willing to share their story, but both the men and women at the shelters of of Wheeler mission. And I enjoyed it and I enjoyed every person that I had lunch with. But the one thing that I noticed, Brendan, the common theme As a matter of fact, I went back and looked. Of the 30 pieces that I wrote about it, 27 of the 30 people, once we started talking over pizza, and thank you to Hotbox Pizza who provided the pizzas for me every day, but once we would start talking, 27 of the 30 people began to tell me about childhood trauma they had suffered.
3: Mm.
1: Whether it was something that happened in their family, whether it was abuse, whether it was something that happened to a sibling, whether it was something that happened to their mom or dad... Childhood trauma is such a critical piece of shaping and molding one in their later years. And in Jim Mercer's case, I don't care that he's a billionaire. I don't care that his dad was a millionaire. He had childhood trauma. And that money can buy you private jets. That money can buy you all the guitars you want that money can buy you John Mellencamp to come play at your birthday party, but that money can't buy you the shield or the cleanse of things like your mother saying it should have been you when your sister died. Things like your father not showing up at your disabled brother's funeral. Things like your father being so inebriated in front of you that he doesn't remember what he had said to you the night before. Those are really challenging things. And Kudos to Jim Ursay for eventually, finally saying, I'm going to show you why I am the way I am. And it is heartbreaking to think about those things that he went through because inside of the billionaire is in fact still the 19-year-old kid that is simply wanting love and acceptance from his parents because that exists in all of us, every one of us. But at the same time, That challenge, that heartbreak, and that addiction, none of which are inherently his fault, but they do not necessarily 100% immune him from critique, just as the exact same initiative for Shaquille Leonard being the face of the kicking the stigma initiative for the Colts did not shelter him from the critique of the fact that he was not playing to the level that they desired. Thus, he was released. But it is extremely coincidental, or if you want to look at it in the Alanis Morissette way, ironic, that, in fact, those two things happen on the same day. I, I think I would like to think that that is, in fact, coincidental. But it is interesting, right?
2: I would like to think it is, too. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, I'm interested to find out, Jake. Eddie, maybe you know this, of would it, be, would it have been the same amount of of money saved if they, if they did this at the end of the year? Would it still been $55 million saved
1: if they did it at the end of the year? I, I think so, right? Because the money – well, no, because you would have paid out for the rest of the season. Yeah. This way you were at least yeah. hoping that somebody else picked so up the So you saved a couple
2: contract. extra million, right, I would doing assume, it now? I would because assume, that was well, what was on my mind yesterday.
4: Here's the thing. The way that it was explained by – I think it was Stephen Holder on this program yesterday – Regarding the signing bonus, the the Colts slot to pay that signing bonus, so it's accelerated essentially uh, through the end of next season. But they're saving six million this year. That's if a team picks him up. Right, he so gets six million if he goes unclaimed come later today. There's
2: no way he's getting claimed, right? Because the they have to pick up the rest of the
4: contract. Correct, but you never know with these with these types. of I would
2: be extremely surprised if somebody's going to pay the rest of that contract. I
4: would too. I
1: would agree with that.
2: Yeah, but you just, I just, you just.
4: But never no, know for sure, it NFL. is an option. So theoretically, the Colts I think would have to pay that six point one one million dollars that he's owed the rest of the year if he goes on claim, which means they would save about forty nine million because you have to subtract the six from the fifty five. The
1: yeah. bottom line is they are if that makes sense. They are on the hook for eight million this year and or next year in dead cap, and then was it four, four. after that? Yeah. So twelve million total. Uh, the other thing that happened last night, so kind of right before that particular interview. How about the Pacers last night? How about him? Poor, poor Jimmy in
2: in jury duty couldn't bet the biggest over NBA history. What, why, now, poor why guy. are you
1: laughing
4: there, Eddie? That game was just so ridiculously fun. It if was. You were an offensive person.
2: The over cashed with. 8 minutes 40. left in the fourth quarter and it hit by 50 something. And
4: 309 is what the game ended up at. So f- the final total where it closed on Vegas was 252 and a half. Oh my god. So 57. <laughs> it is the largest combined total in a Pacers game in franchise history.
2: It's The most points in NBA history. Uh
1: in a, in a game
2: combined. No. That's what it yeah. No. Right? No.
4: No. 16th we there probably should a, have
1: had a meeting before the show. There was a triple um,
4: overtime game where it was like 188 oh, to 187. regulation though, right?
1: Tyrese Halliburton scored a record for an NBA regular season game for the Pacers with 26 and a quarter. I, I had actually, and I got a kick out of it, last night as he hit the 26 point, and they said it was a record, I remembered off the top of my head Reggie Miller's 25-point th- uh, fourth quarter in game five of the 94 finals where he had 39 in the game. That was an NBA playoff record for points in a quarter. Playoff record. Um But just to show how many points that was in one quarter, I sent out a tweet showing Reggie Miller scoring part of those points, and with it, simply said, do you remember Reggie Miller's 25-point explosion? Because it's the most famous lightning in a bottle quarter of scoring in this franchise's history and certainly the one that most Pacer fans would immediately remember so is the barometer to give you a reminder how many points that is in a quarter I simply said you know Tyrese Halliburton said 26 and then of course you get the the knuckle draggers that are like dude different era they played D back then don't even start and I'm like okay all I know is that the Indiana Pacers, as an NBA franchise, have played over 16,000 quarters of regular season basketball. 16,000 quarters. And last night, of the 16,000 quarters that have been played, we saw the most prolific quarter of scoring from one player in Pacers NBA history. And so someone says, 26, what did that look like? I didn't see it. Well, do you remember Reggie Miller's big explosion against the Knicks in the fourth quarter of the 94 Eastern Conference Finals in Game 5? Yeah, that was unbelievable. Okay, that was 25. Wow, that's a lot of points. I remember it seemed like he was scoring every possession. Okay, well, I'm illustrating for you a barometer by which to measure that Tyrese Halliburton had a 26 point quarter. Wow, that's a lot of points. Thank you for illustrating it that way. That makes it a, that makes it relatable to me. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, he didn't have Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason being thrown at him last night. Okay. Still, 26 points in 16,000 quarters of play in NBA history for the Pacers is, in fact, no one has done that in a single quarter. However. You do have the other side of things, which is the fact that still on the wings, the Pacers are absolute turnstiles, and they are not guarding anybody. Now, the good thing is they're scoring, but unfortunately, and... and I want today to be about celebration and thanks, right? Although there but but the reality is, if you are critiquing that game, the reality is last night it was total fun and it was just like, man, lock in, this is awesome. Like call your friends, you got to turn on this game. This is unbelievable. It was an absolute slugfest. It was great everything about it. However, if there's one thing you wanted to point out, if you were assigned in high school drama class to take the other side of things, it would be, you know what, with even the most competent or, or let me rephrase that with even the least competent just the bare minimum of defensive effort you wouldn't need buddy healed hitting like six straight threes and tyrese halliburton having a 26 point quarter to knock out a team you'd win by 15 points they they still absolutely have work to do defensively
2: they do but i mean this is still all part of the process right at the end of the day this year is still <laughs> well, a building year.
1: it is It is, but I mean, but But there is an issue. Their defense has relapsed in the last few games. I mean, not that it was ever great, but but it. But I mean, it was tons of fun. There's no doubt about it, right? That was awesome. Now, the one thing I will say, if I was going to nitpick again, that last night's game was just that floor was Eddie. Did you were watching the game while you were in here, right? Uh huh. The floor to me was kind of hard to to. It was weird, like when guys were on the opposite baseline. It was almost like your television wasn't like totally. It was. It was like. it, It was like. You couldn't see their it's like they're on a green screen. Uh huh. Do you yeah. like the colorful colorful floors? No.
2: Yeah, I and there's a couple of, like the Bulls one is kinda sick. The red one.
1: Mm-hmm. No, no what does sick mean? It's not feeling you, well. Utah's is pretty cool looking too. It's what the it's what the kids say yeah. cool nowadays. The, anyway. I, I the light. I don't. I mean, I get it. Right? It does let you know that it is. It serves its purpose when you see it. You yeah. know. Oh, this is an in-season tournament. Oh, I mean, game, the
2: right? Pacers one kind of gives me a headache, to be honest. But, with Yeah. Oh, well, that's it.
1: how the, the the Hawks one was. It just was. You, you didn't like the blue. The, huh? the coloring. It's. It has nothing to do with the color. It's the the. It's the tone of the color. Like it was. It was such a light tone to it that it kind of meshed in with the uniforms of the mm. players. So at times. It, it, it reminded me, to be honest with you, of the old, the, the really old days of the late 70s, early 80s when you would play Atari and like something would go wrong and the little characters would kind of just like morph into the television screen and like they didn't have legs for a second. Like it kind of <laughs> looked like that. I remember once when I worked at Channel 6, we sent a photographer out to bring back highlights of an ice game. And on a camera, you have what's called a white balance that. that brings the color all to you know you you shoot it on something that's white and that's the neutral thing that then shows the proper coloring on the camera and he came back and the entire video was blue and he goes I couldn't find anything to white balance with (laughs) I go, dude they're playing on ice the entire thing is white but that's what it looked like it looked like it was off white balance that's the easiest way to say it we're going to take a road trip by the way speaking of the colts they are in action feels like a friday but it's really a wednesday but nonetheless the colts play on sunday so we're going to take our thursday road trip that we're actually just calling the road trip because it's not thursday it's wednesday tomorrow's a holiday and we're going to do it next
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: We are headed down to one of the great areas of the country that I think almost everybody in Indianapolis has been to several times talking about Tampa, Florida, and rick strout joins us from the tampa bay times to talk about sunday's game between the bucks and the colts rick it's funny because here we are feeling like it's a friday and the game is in, and then you think to yourself wait a minute half these t- the colts haven't even gone out on the practice field yet from their by so probably a lot still to be determined but uh first off man happy thanksgiving I- i'd like to know what's the plan in tampa for thanksgiving at the strout household
5: uh, well, my my wife and kids are in Chicago at her her family's, but I'll be going over uh, to my sisters and my mom, who's uh, ninety six years old, believe it or not. And uh, yeah, so we'll we'll have dinner over there. But uh, I won't have to battle the snow or cold or anything. So that's that's always good down here.
1: That is good. Well, you got to battle mom for the mashed potatoes, man. That's you know that's just like the snow, right? Same deal. There you go. There you hey, go. Rick, let's begin with this. You know, the Bucks probably a lot like the Colts. Um, and you tell me if I'm wrong, you would know this team better than I, but a little bit enigmatic because I think it's sometimes you look at it and you go, okay, it looks like maybe they're, they're, they're starting to go move forward a little bit, and then you wonder if they're just kind of in a holding pattern or assessing things. So, And a lot of that is probably because of Baker Mayfield. So let's begin with that. How has the quarterback play been for them so far this year?
5: No, I think he's been really good. I mean, I, I think a lot of the uh... – you know, the record stuff has something to do with the, the schedule that they play, a first-place schedule, having won the division last year just with eight wins. And, you know, you didn't necessarily expect them to beat Philadelphia or maybe Detroit and in San Francisco. Uh, they had their opportunity at the end of the game, but those were not uh, really big upsets. Uh, you know, they, they have struggled on defense uh, at times. They, they let some games get away, certainly when you score, you know, 37 points at Houston and C.J. Stroud takes you down the field. uh on the last uh, 40 seconds and, and scores, that that's a disappointment. I think the loss here to Atlanta was one that they, they feel like they let get away. But the reality is they're in a division um, that is separated by one game. And, you know, at, at the end of the day on Sunday, if they're able to beat Indianapolis and Atlanta beats New Orleans, there'll be three teams in that division that are, that are tied. So uh, they control their own destiny, which is uh, maybe not saying much when you've lost – Five out of six games, but um, that's the reality, and, and they, they feel like there's no one in this division they can't beat. So I think from that standpoint, they, you know, the mood is good. They're, they're hanging tough. Injuries will be an issue this week, but um, otherwise, you know, they're, they're very similar position that they were in a year ago with Tom Brady at quarterback, and Baker's done well. He's protected the ball. He's made plays when he's had to. They haven't scored a lot. They've struggled in the red zone. But um, the quarterback has, has not been an issue really this year. You
1: know, Rick, it's it's interesting because one thing that Colts fans can relate to, obviously, is when you get into that era where you're trying to figure out whether you have a franchise quarterback that you're going to build around or whether you're doing Band-Aid veteran guy from one to the next, You know, it can become almost like a vacuum that's hard to get out of. Was Mayfield brought in – Originally, just as kind of a stopgap to assess, and now they're thinking, yeah, maybe we got something here. Or is it, there's still another direction they may go?
5: Well, that depends on where you finish, right? Um, you know, there are a lot of quarterbacks in the draft coming out this year, that's for sure. Um, but no, I think he was brought in here because uh, they wanted competition for Kyle Trask. Um, they feel like this was still a winnable division, even though, you know, when you're million over the salary cap, and you've lost a lot of veteran players. You're trying to thread a needle, which is hard to do in the NFL. Um, You don't have an established starter. So, you know, you looked at the landscape, the free agency, um, they couldn't afford Jimmy Garoppolo or Derek Carr. And so, you know, they had looked at Mayfield a year ago before Tom Brady unretired, and uh, he was available again. And so, you know, to get a guy with his experiences and um, his pedigree, uh, Todd Bowles was familiar with him when he was with the Jets because they, they scouted him. They, they they may have been able to draft him. He really liked the then. So it just seemed like a really good fit. You know, Baker wanting stability with an organization uh, that still had players that had won a Super Bowl. And, um, you know, so uh, it's difficult when you bounce around at that position, but he's been very resilient and um uh, like I said, I, I think he's done a good job. Now, what, what does the future hold? I, I think these next seven weeks will have to say a lot about that. Um, again, you know where you finish is, is important in terms of the draft, but uh, I think he's done everything that they they hoped he would do and, and more. And he's still got you know seven games to uh, to improve on that. So we'll see where it all where it all falls out, but. You know, for a four million dollar quarterback, I think they're pretty happy with what they got.
2: Hey, Rick, it's Brendan. I'm from Chicago, Land, So safe travels to your family up there. I wanted to ask about Chris Godwin. First of all, I'm a Chris Godwin fantasy owner, and uh, production has not been exactly where I would have wished it would be. But he did have 114 yards against New Orleans on October the first. Last three games has combined for 109. So his season being up and down has it been just Mayfield has really preferred Mike Evans, or is there something more to it?
5: Well, I just – I mean, you know, he's always been a high-volume guy, and, and this year has been just a little different in that aspect. But I think, uh, you know, he's still on pace for a 1,000-yard season. You haven't seen the touchdowns. That's been the big difference. He has just one touchdown this year. And I think that, uh, you know, that's that's surprising for him, right? Um, but he's still making combat catches. He's one of the top receivers on third down. But it's nothing Chris Godwin is doing. It's just that the offense – with the inability, you know, to run the ball consistently. Um, you know, that, that's that been an issue for them just staying on the field. And um, But, yeah, they pay a lot of attention to him. They pay a lot of attention to Mike. They really don't have an established third receiver. they got young guys filling that role. They lost, lost Russell Gage in preseason. Um, so, you know, you're going to get a lot of attention. I think last week uh, the two of them had one, one or two targets. Mike had two targets and a touchdown. Chris had no targets through the first half, but they only had the ball three times and a kneel down, you know? So um, your defense has to get the ball back and then, you know, you, you got to score touchdowns. But um, Chris has done everything he's always done, but uh, it's it's nothing really that he's he's responsible for. He's still the same player, I think. They just haven't had as many good opportunities. And when they do get them, they haven't capitalized on them down there in the red zone.
1: Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times is our guest talking about the Bucks, who, of course, will be here to play the Colts on Sunday Rick, when you look at it, and I ask this a lot to our guests when we do these previews, if if Shane Steichen calls you, and he says, "Look, Rick, you know this team as well as anybody. You've been covering them. You're at practice. You've been, you went through camp. Um, I got a healthy healthy sum here. Um, we need your scouting report. What does Tampa do well that, that Indianapolis needs to truly focus on? The thing that has allowed the Bucks to win the games they've won is that they are doing what to a high level."
5: Well, then when they won, they've won, they've taken the ball away. Uh, they haven't done that of late, and I think that's been one of the reasons why they've struggled scoring and, and, uh, and given up some scores. You know, they haven't gotten off the field. Um, but when they're playing good defense and locking down receivers, um, they, they can be a problem. That's when Todd Bowles can dial up the exotic blitzes and come from different angles and really get aggressive. So it'll be difficult for them this week because they've got to stop the run game. Now, you know, when you have a team like Indianapolis that you know wants to run the football, sometimes that's easier. You know, we saw them play Derrick Henry and stop him before he got going, they held him 24 yards, and made, you know, Will Levis try to beat him, and he couldn't. Um, so, you know, their job this week will be similar to that, is that you have to stop the running game with the Colts, who are very good at it. But that means you commit a lot of resources to the run game. Their corners are both beat up. It's going to be a challenge. they are going to have a lot of young players playing. Um, but when they're winning, uh, they're winning on first down on defense, and then bringing in lots of different pressures and things to try to get the ball, you know, away from from the offense.
1: One of the things, by the way, Rick Stroud, Tampa Bay Times, is our guest. The on the road segment brought to you and presented by our partners and friends over at AAA Hoosier Motor Club. Rick, one of the things I think that is interesting about Tampa, you know, any time that you transition from kind of one era. To the, to the next, a lot of times there is a pretty significant dip. I thought it was fascinating the way that they were able with Brady you know, and Gronk as well, you know, you win. They didn't seem to have like the, the absolute fall off the cliff, if you will. Um, what enabled as an organization, I guess, what has allowed Tampa to kind of sustain, as you talked about, within striking distance of staying within the postseason while not having an absolute seismic bottom-of-the-barrel you know, first three draft pick level restart?
5: Well, again, I think the division is is not at its uh, height yet. You know, there's a lot of new coaches, a lot of new quarterbacks in this division. So they, they've been able to, you know, to maintain, you know, there's not many places where you have four wins. You're saying you control your own destiny, right? So that that's number one. But I think also they've done a nice job of drafting players. That have come in here and played right away and played at a high level. Um, they they have a mixture of, 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 a, of a bunch of guys with with Super Bowl rings um, that are still here and still very productive, like Mike Evans, like um, Chris Godwin, uh, some on defense with Levante David, um, Devin White, you know, different guys like that, and young guys that are ascending still. Uh, whether you're talking about Antoine Winfield Jr., who I think is an all-pro talent um, at, at safety, and a couple of corners that they're paying like their top corners are not necessarily playing that way, um, so there was there was a lot of pieces. And, and you know, when you when you win those three years of Brady while he's not here. Um, a lot is learned about what, what it takes to get to that height, what it takes to, to win a Super Bowl. You've got to have luck with injuries, number one. Um, but it's also about, you know, winning the day. And, and you know, it's it's a marathon. It, it really is. You've got to get better. And, you know, Brady always said one thing, which I think is apropos to this week, that, you know, the season really begins after Thanksgiving. You know, you've got you've to stack some wins and be in it. Uh, but you find out which teams are going to be playing in, in, in January and maybe February after Thanksgiving. So we're here now, and this team has very little margin of error. Um, but we'll find out if they've got a chance or not. And I think that's true, you know, probably for any for a lot of teams that are in that mix. Um, you'll start to see some separation now because you're just running out of runway. You're, you're going to have to get this thing off the ground, or, uh, or you will be one of those teams rebuilding more next year.
1: Now, Rick, in conclusion, this is one of my favorite things to do when we talk to guys from different markets, okay? Theoretically, there's a restaurant in Tampa. It is the place to be. The entire city is there for a big night. Everybody wants a table, okay? Every buck great is lined up trying to get a table, and there's a there's a four top left, and the manager has to decide what four buck greats get that table based on their popularity to the fan base. Now, I'm going to guess the four, and then I want you to grade – my guess are you ready go now no hold on i should say this i'm taking tom brady out of the equation because he was only there for a short time
5: yeah that's that's fair he he, he gets the whole
1: restaurant if he wants (laughs) (laughs) probably realistically right okay so i'm going to go with Derek brooks i'm going to go with warwick dunn i'm going to go with leroy selman and mike allstott how'd i do
5: uh, you did really well. I, I and I don't have a problem with any of those guys. I'd, I'd sit down with them tomorrow, and I think that start for sure. Uh, the guys you mentioned, the one I would say is Rondé Barber. Uh, I don't know who he, whose table he takes or whose seat he takes, but Rondé still very active in the organization and a guy that um, you know that's a uh, Hall of Famer, right? So um, not many of those around. So yeah, I think. I think I might quibble with that one, but I don't know who I. I don't know who am kicking out of the restaurant. Is Doug Williams still
1: beloved there, or is he thought very of more so. as Washington?
5: No, very much so. I, I think very much so. Maybe a little less than others, just because you know his Super Bowl success came in Washington. But um, we could go on and do a show on Doug Williams. He's 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 pretty beloved as well. Well, Rick,
1: I appreciate it. I would put Lars Tate in the mix, by the way, only because he went to my high school, but I'm the only guy that would. But um, <laughs> yeah. Rick, I appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving and enjoy the rest of the season with the covering the Bucks. Same of you guys. Thanks. All right again, Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times talking about, of course, this weekend, as we mentioned, the Bucks and the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. On the road was brought to you by the Triple A Hoosier Motor Club. Purchase a one year Triple Classic membership and save fifty percent. You can get AAA's legendary roadside service and much more this time of year. That's critical, by the way. 24-7, 365. Visit AAA.com slash gift. Again, that's AAA.com slash gift. And you can make yourself even a lifelong member. I have been since the day I got my driver's license. And I can tell you there was a there was a weird curb that popped up out of nowhere on Emerson right around here. Kind of a weird and there's there's and there's a roundabout in Carmel. Very tricky off 106th Street. And if you're not looking, all of a sudden you hit it, flat tire, there's triple A. To the rescue and they are an absolute lifesaver um Marion by the way on the west side has a big game coming up we're going to talk to Ted Karras in just a couple of minutes but back to talking about the Colts and the Bucks including the big news from yesterday kind of rehashing all of it we'll do that on the other side I'd like to hear from you folks over the course of the day as well and each time if somebody calls in Brennan here's my rule for the day you ready hit me my rule for the day is this At some point, I think we're going to open up some phone lines and take people's reaction to the Jim Mercer story and Shaquille Leonard again from yesterday. But if you're going to join the show today, you have to start by saying something either in the sports world or in the last year of your life that you're thankful for. Mm, That's right. Because there's so much negativity out there, I want it to still be somewhat fun and positive. So whether it's a sports thing you're thankful for or... Something that happened since last Thanksgiving to now in which you're thankful. That's what you have to start with when you call the program.
4: And, of course, if you have a position within the company,
2: state your position as always.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Can I apply for a position today? Uh, we're not taking interns yet. Oh,
2: that's horrible. We'll, we'll let you know. Uh, that's tough.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
1: Big night of college basketball last night. By the way, coming up in about 20 minutes, we'll start taking phone calls from you, your reaction to the Jim Irsay interview last night and more on the Shaquille Leonard release. So if you are wanting to have your opinions heard, you can do so coming up in about 20 minutes or so. Just remember... First thing you got to do, and succinct is best, but uh, simply say something of the last year that you are thankful for, whether it be in the world of sports or just in general. Um, that's the rule if you're going to call in today. Last night, college basketball, Purdue, Tennessee, really good game. Um, you know, one of the key points of that game, it was like midway first half, might have been later in the first half, actually. Fletcher Lawyer gets fouled and a technicals called on Rick Barnes. So lawyer gets to go to the line for three free throws. And I turned around and I said to Shane, I go, watch, this guy now is going to get hot. She goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I've, I've said this a million times. You're playing around the world or horse with your buddy at the driveway when you are a kid. Shot just didn't fall in. Eventually, you just go to the free throw line, shoot a couple of free throws just to kind of get in rhythm see the ball go through the hoop and just kind of it just kind of cleans the palate and then all of a sudden shooters get hot off that. You, you you put a shooter on the free throw line and let them shoot a couple of free throws. It's going to start coming to them a little bit in rhythm. And Lawyer last night was really good. Tennessee had to be thinking like come on. I mean, is this Ryan Klein all over again? I wasn't <laughs> to that level, but really good game and one of the trump cards that Matt Painter has, you know, as Tennessee was able to hang around and then at one point take a small lead But Zach Eadie's on the bench because of fouls, and then he comes in in the last six minutes of the game or so. Tennessee gets one of their bigs to foul out, and you know produce just that's the difference down the stretch, Brennan. Right? It was.
2: I mean, it was a very foul-driven game on both sides. But you're right. When Eadie came in to end it, there was a six-six
1: guy guarding him. He he made a six-six guy look tiny. Yeah, totally. Uh, It's unbelievable. Now. He's going to see a lot of that coming up because I I don't know if you stayed up to watch. I did. Um, I fell asleep. But. Kansas Marquette was fabulous. Marquette, listen, you know they jumped out. When I turned it on early second half, they were up fifteen. Kansas cut it down to ten, and you thought, okay, you know Kansas make a run here, and and then oftentimes you see a team exerts that energy right to to kind of get back in it. And then water finds its level again, and Marquette pushed it back up to seventeen. And Marquette really was never challenged. Marquette just plays so fast, Brendan. I mean, oh, the pace—it's VCU on steroids. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. I mean, and they're—you know—they're just—they're big. They've got size on the wings. They—they, they, I mean, and I know it's a—it's kind of a cliché. You know, they're fun to watch, but but they were—it was fun to watch, man.
2: Well, it, you know, kind of go off the point I just mentioned. You know, Shaka got plenty of good players at VCU. That's why they made the final four. But now he's getting – be it he did struggle at Texas for one reason or the other. But he's getting these Big East guys to come to the state of Wisconsin.
1: Yeah. And
2: they're playing their you-know-what's off.
1: Well, they – you know, Marquette – Probably, I mean, the reality is that the Marquette-Purdue game is not just for the Maui Invitational, but it's for the number one ranking, if that means anything to people at this point. But, you know, whoever wins that game is going to be number one in the country. And – I'm right on the periphery of the age range. And I know Marquette went to a Final Four with Tom Crean and Dwayne Wade. And, and Tom Crean should mention more that he coached Dwayne Wade, by the way. Um, but, you know, the Marquette was one of those programs that was an upper echelon program under Al McGuire just before I would have been. And I'm, you know, I mean, obviously at my age, I would represent the younger end of people that would even have a memory of Marquette being an elite-level program. But they were. And Marquette and DePaul are the two that I've always said, you know, basketball was fun when when those two programs were really big, partially because of the recruiting base. I mean, there's good players in Milwaukee from a high school standpoint. Obviously, you're close to Chicago. So you you have – it's kind of a sleeping giant, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And Shaka Smart – is a guy that that absolutely can awaken it. And it's going to be fun to watch them against Purdue. We'll talk more about it later in the program. We come back, big-time football coming up west side of town. We'll talk about exactly that. And then I want your phone calls on the Colts from yesterday, but you got to start by being thankful. All of it on the other side.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Well, thank you, Indiana, too, right? One o'clock hour on Thanksgiving Eve. Jake Quarry along with Burning King, Eddie Garrison. Coming up Saturday, St. Xavier of Illinois going to be are 12th ranked, by the way, in the country in NAIA, taking on Marion over at St. Vincent Field. Game getting underway at one oh five on Saturday. Joining us now on the guest line is the head coach of the Knights. We're talking about Ted Karras, who's coming off a win against Siena Heights. First off, coach, how are you, man? Happy Thanksgiving.
6: Happy Thanksgiving to you guys. I'm uh yeah, I was listening to you a little bit earlier. I am very thankful for our players, coaches, managers, and trainers for coming together and really putting together a nice year thus far.
1: I love it. You guys have had a good year and I and this is gonna sound odd because I'm gonna talk about the one blemish on your schedule, which was just a couple of weeks ago against Indiana Wesley. And the only reason I mention it, coach, sometimes and I want you to to opine on this. I always felt like sometimes when a team You know, you always want to go unbeaten. I get it. But there can be lessons that can be learned in getting knocked down a little bit and and getting that loss and figuring out and being able to kind of regroup your guys, if you will, and take the heat off a little bit. What did your guys learn from the game against Indiana Wesleyan?
6: A few things. One, um, we need to finish. You know, we started fast that game, and we didn't finish out the whole three-hour fight on that Saturday afternoon. So that's one thing that I've been – our guys really from the beginning of the season. Um, we can't get caught on trick plays in the defensive secondary. We got to play disciplined, more disciplined football. Um, those are two of the biggest things. I mean, that was a tight game that could have went either way. But we really, you know, jumped them, had them early, and let them back in, and let them hang around, and, and
1: they got we got nipped at the end. So finishing is really important. Are you as a coach, coach? I realize that especially when you're coaching young players, young young people. You know. Week to week, they're still learning just like that, right? I mean, there are always lessons to be learned. But from a coaching standpoint, what's the latest into a season you have gone where you have thought to yourself, I'm still learning my team?
6: Um, probably all the way to the national championship back in 12. I mean, you know, especially this year, not even been here a full year. You know, I'm, I'm learning weekly. But um, what I am learning is that we are very resilient of a group. Um, we're we we're a ready-but-lose team. These guys are having fun this year and we're winning games, and uh, and we got to
1: continue to do so. When you look at, you know, when you get to this point, I think guys come to Marion, Coach, Ted Karras is our guest, I think guys come to Marion because they know that they're going to get a chance to compete at the national level and that they're going to be able to go deep, right? They're going to be playing beyond Thanksgiving. I think that's why guys go there, quite frankly. But then you got to actually go out and do it. So, Right. How do you keep guys kind of focused of not starting to think too far ahead, even though that's the carrot that brought them there to begin with?
6: Sure, that is one of the carrots that brings them here besides getting a great education for sure. But um, it's just a hunger factor. You know, Marion hasn't won a national title since 2015. You know, so, you know, these guys got to remain hungry. I, I switched some things up in scheduling. I've shortened our practices a little bit. We're going to actually go out here in about 10 minutes um and go out and get a good practice in the day. Just little things like that, maybe shorten meetings, practices, keep guys fresh, keep guys motivated. And but the X factor is truly as, you know, how hungry are you to finish this thing off?
2: Hey coach, it's Brendan. Just curious as your head coach again in 2023. Your last year at Walsh was in 2016. Is there anything that has been unexpected or uh, even a gentle happy surprise about being a head coach again that you're learning about uh, this age of the game?
6: Um, geez, I've been a head coach for a long time before this one. I can't think right off hand of anything that really surprised me. I'm just very thankful and not necessarily surprised, but of the effort of this team and especially the seniors where a lot of them weren't necessarily going to come back, you guys, back in December, but ended up doing so and ended up having fabulous years. Uh And to name a couple, Zach Bundle, our quarterback, and then Nate Fry, you know, who is, turned out to be the uh, defensive conference player of the year
1: you know one of the things i like about when you come on coach you just have an energy about you like like i do you do you start what do you start about four in the morning start drinking coffee like what's the secret here
6: close well, fake, you know you got to bring the energy as a coach uh, uh, you know um you know i start my day off jake i start off by uh, taking my uh golden retriever for a run i don't run he no, does he takes
1: you for a run let's be real here i've got i got a
6: golden i know you gotta go yeah so I gotta get him out in the morning,' like, yes, I'll have some coffee and and then I come here to the to the office today and I want to shout out to our cafeteria staff you know ca- campus is closed, but the cafeteria workers are putting on two meals for us today, one before here and then one after when we get done today, and we're really thankful for that and yeah you got gotta remain energized you know I've, I've done a lot of other things besides coaching my life, and this is truly one of the you know one of the best professions ever um where you can be energized, you can be fired up daily, and you get to motivate young people, which is really fun.
1: You're 10 games in. You guys are 9-1. and one. You're now starting in the NAIA Football Championship Series, again, this Saturday against St. Xavier of Illinois, 105 over at St. Vincent Field on the west side. Through 10 games, Coach, are, is there still a football, I guess, situation that you're worried about because your guys haven't seen it yet? Or do you feel like you've pretty much covered all areas of the canvas?
6: Now, I mean, we try to cover all areas of the camp's shape, but you you really can't, you know. And, and just speaking to our opponent, you know, I coached there for four years, got my master's from there, learned a lot from Mike Feminist. and he's a tricky, he's a trick coach, man. They they're going to have multiple trick plays that we're trying to you know get through to our guys, and they did a good job last time, but on special teams and everything, we got to be ready. We can't get suckered, we can't get tricked on Saturday afternoon.
1: By the way, when you let the golden retriever out at night. Does does he then sit by the door looking at you, and then when you open the door, he kind of makes up his mind, and then he goes back out, and he's kind of schizophrenic? <laughs> Sometimes, yes. That's annoying, especially at 2 a.m. <laughs> so, so it's not I, – I didn't know if the golden retriever I'm dealing with has a small bladder or an emotional problem, and I think it might be just part of the breed, right? I think it's part of the breed. They're a unique breed for sure. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Hey, um, tell me about St. Xavier, Coach. Tell me what – you know, is this about what they do and trying to figure it out, or is it about strictly honing in on what you do?
6: You no, know, it's a little bit of both, you know. Um, you know, they, One thing I've learned from Coach Feminist when I was with him is that they're going to have a new wrinkle every game, be it on special teams, be it on offense, being on defense. So as coaches, you know, we're trying to maybe plan ahead for what that may be. And then, obviously, we got to hone in on the things that we do well, running the ball, play action passes, taking some shots. So it's really a combo.
2: Coach, you won an NAIA championship in 2012 with that Marion team. What's something from that 2012 team that you see in your guys right now, and what's something that was in that 2012 team that you think your guys now can learn from?
6: Uh, biggest thing is the never say die attitude. And you know, we talked about that loss earlier here. That I we didn't we didn't we fought right to the end. It came down to a two point play. We were down. We had executed two minute drill, um, but just didn't get the two point play. So the biggest thing is that never say die attitude. Be ready for a three-hour fight, and you gotta fight all three hours. If we do that, we're gonna have a great chance to win.
1: I absolutely love it, Coach. Before we let you go, I want to ask you this: you, you had alluded to a couple of guys that have played well for you, but I always love, especially because you got a lot of local guys on your roster, and it's college football that's affordable right here. You know, right on the west side of Indianapolis, off Cold Springs. Yeah. Give me the name of three guys. Just, just tell me three guys on your roster that are maybe some local kids that have gone a little bit overlooked, perhaps, that you would like people to know that they have been big-time contributors for you that have been a big part of your success.
6: Sure. I'm just looking at – we had 21 guys you named, named to the all-conference team. So some first-teamers that really came onto the scene this year, big ones, Keegan LaBelle um, out of Mount Vernon, uh, first-team back, Drew Byerly out of Franklin, tight end. He's really done a heck of a job. Uh, Zach Sibola out of Zionsville. Now, he's a three-time uh, first-team all-conference. And then I mentioned Nate Fryer, I know that's four,
1: but uh, out of Carmel, man, he really's come out and had a heck of a year, been a great leader for us. Coach, I love it. I love the energy. We wish you the best of luck coming up Saturday, St. Xavier of Illinois. Again, game at 105 at St. Vincent Field over at Marion. You can always get tickets at munights.com. And, of course, that has the full schedule for the athletics there. Basketball getting underway as well, which is always fun to watch. But we always appreciate it, Coach. Wish you the best of luck and look forward to talking to you again.
6: Thank you guys so much. Happy
1: Thanksgiving. All right, same to you. That is Ted Karras, the head football coach of the Marion Knights. Love it. I like, again, they have so many guys on their roster that are just local guys. You know, oftentimes a kid goes somewhere else, doesn't work out, they come back, they want to be closer to home, they get a chance to play, and you can tell by the energy there it's a place you'd want to go. Not to mention, as he talked about, you know, great school for Marion University. Um, Last night, Brendan, we had talked about the Jim Irsay interview. And I want to kind of reset what I was saying earlier, and then I want to open it up to people to to chime in if they saw it, along with the Shaquille Leonard thing. You know, I I really did feel for Jim Irsay last night in watching that interview, really for two reasons. The first being that it, it was very sad to see, and, and I know, it's very easy for us to say, well, if I had an NFL franchise, and I had billions of dollars, and I had a plane, you know, cry me a river. Well, so much of who we are and what we are is molded and sculpted by who molded and sculpted us, quite frankly. And in Jim Mersey's case, you know, you could you could see the pain and the hurt in his eyes when talking about his disabled brother that passed. He he was a combination you could tell of embarrassed, hurt. And disappointed and angry. All four of those emotions you could tell were coming out in one answer when Andrea Kramer asked him to confirm that when his brother passed, his father did not even go to the funeral. And then later he talked about when his sister was killed at the age of 14 in a car accident and they got home from the service and his mother saying to him, It should have been you. And those are things, those are seeds that are planted within you that no matter how much water and nutrients the seed gets, It is destined to determine, to a great extent, the direction in which things grow and bloom. And I think that it does, within him, still define him to a great extent. The other side of that paradox is, you know, he sent a tweet today talking about the Kicking the Stigma initiative and why that was such the genesis of his motivation to do the interview with Andrea Kramer and HBO Real Sports and his... Disappointment and anger in Bryant Gumbel, then critiquing him at the end of the interview, and he's going to get criticized heavily for his his comments about the fact that he was targeted essentially for his arrest, that he was not under the influence, but rather it was his hip replacement surgery that prohibited him from being able to walk a line, and that he was targeted because he is quote a rich white billionaire. That's that's what's going to come out of that that people are going to remember. But what I found interesting was and ironic was that Ursay, as all of us have within us the human nature of when our flaws are weaknesses, which are part of what make us human, but when our flaws or weaknesses are discussed or presented before us, a human nature element oftentimes is to counter that with, yes, but here are the good things I've done. And I think when Bryant Gumbel, and maybe Bryant Gumbel was out of line, maybe his timing was wrong. But when Bryant Gumbel chose that opportunity on his own show to critique Jim Irsay, Ursay's natural human nature reaction is, but what about my kicking the stigma initiatives? As if to imply, as is human nature, that the positivity of his initiative of kicking the stigma should shield him from critique of areas of weakness. The irony in that being that the interview aired on the night when a player for the Indianapolis Colts was released and it is a player who is the one player that was the face and voice from a player perspective of a, of the kicking the stigma initiative but when it came down to it in critiquing the weaknesses of Shaquille Leonard as a football player of late the areas of helping out with kicking the stigma did not make him immune to the criticism of the totality of him as a football player just as while Jim Mercer is to be greatly commended about the Kicking the Stigma initiative, it does not make him immune to the criticism or the, the, the commentary about him as an NFL owner in totality, which is what Bryant Gumble chose to do, whether or not that was the right or wrong time. But I want to know from people what they thought about it, but again... If you're going to call in, you have to start because it is Thanksgiving Eve by simply saying something that you are thankful for either in life or in football, over the or excuse me, in sports or in your life over the last year. We'll begin with Kevin. Hi, Kevin.
7: Hi, Jake. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I wanted to mention first, I'm very grateful for my family uh, sticking by me through thick and thin. Grateful for you guys, your show, all you provide, thought-provoking, fun, entertaining material. Uh, and just a comment about Mr. Erse, real quick. Uh, I want to thank him. If I ever have a chance to, I will. But uh, I, I just I'm inspired by him being someone in recovery as well, uh, by someone who's willing to be vulnerable and talk about a subject that a lot of people don't know enough about. So I just I commend him on his vulnerable, vulnerability. But on the flip side, as you brought up really well, I. I feel like we have to be reminded, uh, all of us, we have to take responsibility for our actions. It doesn't make us immune um, from what be, what words we use, what we say, how we say them. So uh, that's that's key, also.
1: Hey, Kevin, I'm going to go off context clues here, and I apologize if I'm off base, um, but it sounds to me like so. Are you also somebody who has gone through recovery?
7: Yes, sir. Okay. Going through it. It's
1: a it's a day to day basis. Well, you're right, and I've not. I have been very blessed, Kevin, that that has not necessarily affected me but i want you to make me one promise okay you don't owe me anything right other than the fact i appreciate you listening to the show but here's the one thing i want you to, to promise me you ready i'm ready tomorrow at the thanksgiving table i want you to look around at all of the people that are sitting down with you and i want you to take a second to realize that they are equally as grateful for you and for the efforts you're making got it i got it and i really appreciate you man thank you brother okay good luck kevin i appreciate it and have a happy Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, listen, I I do think that it's inspired a lot of people and I think his vulnerability is to be commended and his candidness is to be commended. But at the same time, I also can see, you know, a little bit of like the defensiveness, if you will, Uh, you you know, and I get it. I mean, I totally understand why that is. It's human nature, right? Brennan, it's human nature.
2: Yeah. And listen, like you and I cannot relate to said issues. But Jake, I can tell you both you and I have gone through other things that are not in that realm and you and I have both gotten through those things. So that's always going to stay with us. And even though it's not the same situation as Jim Irsay, I mean, again, you and I have both gone through things that have challenged our lives and so is everybody listening. And that's always going to stay with you. Now, one thing that we for sure are not in the same realm as is it's really, I mean, your situation, Jake, was public, but, you know, a lot of people's are not. So they can't relate what Jim Ursay is going through. Now, listen, Jim is, or Ursay is still the number one ESPN story on their homepage. And that's probably going to stay that way for a while. And a lot of people are going to read that story and
1: have opinions. Well, because of the comments that he made Correct. of being a rich white billionaire. Correct. Right? And as I mentioned yeah. earlier, Brendan, the one thing about that, um, I don't th- I don't know that this is going to be the case, but I have to admit there was part of me when he said, look, I was targeted because I was a rich white billionaire. When you are and, and I'm not trying to enter this into a nobody wants to hear a political show here. I get it. I totally get it. But I have to admit there is part of me that wondered if how that would settle. The one thing that, that I I'm not saying all. But I do think that there are young African-American males in this country that feel like at times they could be targeted wrongly by the police. Whether that's right or wrong is a whole different discussion, whole different talk show, whatever else. But that, that sentiment does exist, okay? And for an NFL owner to say, well, actually, it's me because I'm a rich white billionaire that the police would target, I could see how some prospective players and, and guys that play for Jimmer, they love him they love him right but those that don't know him i could see them being very turned off by that right. comment aaron what's up what's up jake you're looking at it you how know? are you now you got to tell me something you're thankful for
8: aaron well i'm <laughs> give me one second because i don't want to get too emotional but uh, a couple of weeks ago my sister my baby sister was on a cruise with one of her twin daughters And, you know, having fun. But she got a call with her son, who's an IMPD officer. And they found her twin sister, my niece, in an abandoned home on the east. Drug overdose. Someone left her in there. Didn't even call until two days later. We just had a memorial service for her this past Saturday. 29, fentanyl got her. You know, so, and she's not a billionaire. If she was arrested, how insulting. I don't care if you're black or white, but for anybody that's not a billionaire to get arrested, and let's just say you get or out, you're going to sit there for about at least 12 hours. I guarantee you, he didn't sit there 12 hours. That's entitlement. And the thing that he's so aloof from the reality, I always say, being rich sometimes can be a burden. Being rich isn't for everyone. And I just want to close with just one thing. What I'm thankful for is the remaining four brothers and sisters I have out of 12. You know, it's dwindling down. Well, Aaron, I'll tell you almost, what. I was almost out of here in July myself. And let me just close with this, Jake. For anybody that's struggling with drug and alcohol relations, it's a a quote. Todd Jadbo had wrote a book a few years ago, and I worked with him. I was going to do a song for his book. It was called Fork in the Road. And just let me quote you the opening, and i get off here. Because what I'm about to say ain't going to cost you nothing. Sit back, relax while we try to teach you something. Now, if you you get the floor while we keep it real, then I've done my job to make you feel the power of the truth that must be told. I'm not here to preach, nor say save your soul. Only your life and down a dead end road. Now, whatever your choice, dead crack or pure cane, by voice you screams and now to you that you're not to blame. Now, you can listen if you want to, but you're sure to lose. So when you reach that parking road, tell me, which way will you choose? Happy Thanksgiving to everybody.
1: Aaron, I appreciate it. And look, we've known each other a long time, mostly through these airwaves, right? And then obviously through some texting as well. I know you've had your health struggles, and I know that it hasn't always been easy for you or your family. So I'm thankful that you're here to call in today, and I'm thankful that you still have family to enjoy the holiday with and as well the memory of your niece tomorrow. So I wish you the happiest of Thanksgivings in what I know is a difficult time. Matthew, what's up?
9: Good afternoon, fellas.
1: So you have thoughts on Shaquille Leonard. Is that I almost said Shaquille O'Neal again, Matthew. Is that correct?
9: Yes. Although, first I will say I'm thankful for sports-wise a week from tomorrow that Maine gets to host Indiana women's basketball, even if it is a neutral site game because they want to have it at the venue where Mackenzie played her high school state championship game. Still a home game.
1: So, But I thought you, you're a Purdue fan, right?
9: Well, most of the time, yes.
1: (laughs) I like Matthew. You like anything Indiana, even though you're in Maine. I love it. Tell me something. So you're thankful for that? You're thankful for the fact that Indiana's bringing a little slice of the Hoosier State up into the land of L.L. Bean, right?
9: Yeah. It's been 20 years since we've hosted them, so it'll be another 20 years, I'm sure.
1: That's cool. All right. So now your thoughts on Shaq.
9: Did we really need to cut him right now? We couldn't have waited until the season was over.
1: I mean... Listen, that Matthew, I think that's the million-dollar question I, or the $8 million question or the $6 million question. I guess the one part of it would be if somebody else picks him up, then you're 6.1 lighter off the cap, as I understand it. I mean, that stuff – I flunked – as you know, Matthew, I flunked algebra and geometry, so I'm not necessarily a whiz in that regard. But I think that there probably was some finance that went into that, truth be told. I mean, that would be my assumption. I don't know that for certain, but that would be my guess is that – there was some financial motivation there. Um, and look, Matthew, I'm thankful that you were able to come out to Indianapolis and visit us, do the mini-marathon, and see your adopted home city that's taken you in. So I hope tomorrow that you are able to, even though you're working, uh, as I understand it, from 4 until 9 tomorrow night at the Tavern, that you're able to enjoy uh, a little bit of Thanksgiving feast as well. Uh, you're going to be a busy guy over the course of the weekend, right, Brendan? That's right. All right, we'll talk about exactly why and what on the other side, and then we'll continue phone calls in the second half of the show as well.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: I would anticipate that the 2 o'clock hour is going to be predominantly your thanks as well as Matt Taylor of the Colts is going to join us, but we will talk heavily about the Colts' situation. And I would, I, I do enjoy, I hope others do as well, giving you folks an opportunity to tell what you are thankful for, either uh, in the world of sports or since the last time that you were at the Thanksgiving table. I know for me, um, and we have been very fortunate in my family, very, very fortunate in this regard, that this is the third or fourth year straight that we have been able to say that everybody at the Thanksgiving table was there the prior year. And that certainly, from a familial standpoint, is uh, certainly worth being thankful for. And I'm also thankful for those that are able to join my family and feel comfortable enough to come over because they aren't able to go uh, back to wherever, you know, people from out of town and that kind of thing, or just for whatever reason... Uh, aren't able to make it to family on Thanksgiving, and they come and spend it with ours, and we're thankful for that. Joining us now on the hotline, he is with the Indianapolis Star talking about, Brendan, why don't you shed light on what you're going to be doing this weekend and how it pertains to our next guest.
2: The IHSAA Football State Finals, Jake at Lucas Oil Stadium. I've got the call on the radio of the 2A game. That's the first one on Saturday morning, Fort Wayne, Bishop, Lures, and North Posey, and then be hanging with Coach Bob Lovell on Indiana Sports Talk Friday and Saturday.
1: So Kyle rip will be busy with all of that. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to begin with this. And I ask this a lot of you probably when we discuss some of these teams. Um, the best storyline to you in terms of the teams that are in the state football finals, the one that's the coziest
3: feel-good story is which? Hmm, I would say, I mean, I've, I've covered the, the team that I've covered the most probably is Ben Davis. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if it's, it's, a cozy storyline necessarily but you know just knowing a lot of those seniors and the the, the the senior leadership that they have is a pretty rare I know it's kind of a cliche but it's it's a pretty rare thing it's a it's a it's a cool thing that some of the kids I've got to know on that team and you know Andrew Evans who had a interception return not quite for a touchdown but but uh almost for a touchdown the younger brother Chris Evans and I got uh you know just kind of you know remembering Chris ran back a, a touch or not ran back but ran a touchdown against Center Grove in the semi-state and 9 years earlier it was almost to the day I went back and found it and you know no, watching number 12 run up the same sideline in a different situation but same opponent it looked so much the same and then going back and looking at it was was like wow that really really is really is close same jersey number same sideline same opponent same round of the tournament but uh you know, that's maybe not the question you're asking, but, but that the Ben Davis team just in general has kind of been, you know, it's been a, they've they've been barely winning these games, uh, you know, kind of similar to Chris's senior year and or junior year, actually in 2014, where they had a lot of comebacks, a lot of dramatic, you know, pull it out of the fire type of wins. and, And that's what this team's done. They beat Brownsburg in a Eighteen point comeback in the fourth quarter. They beat Cathedral on a field goal late. Um, you know, get the Cathedral's throwing in the end zone uh, towards the end there, and they intercept it. And then Center Grove, which uh, you know no one has beaten them, and it looked like Center Grove was going to rewrite the story again last weekend, and and this was going to be their how they got to a fourth. Uh, possible championships so you know to be able to 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 vanquish them finally i mean that's kind of the story to me is that you know we have a new champion in 6a whether it's ben davis or crown point um you know in center grove's reign i'm not saying they're never going to win it again because they they most likely will but at least this you know this run of three in a row which is really fairly unprecedented going back to the warren uh, dynasty but you know that just doesn't happen in 6a so this Ben Davis team you know, getting there and now having the chance to win it you know I, I think is the you know maybe a unique storyline you know ben, uh, Luke Parik is another good one from Shatard uh, whose brothers played at Ritter and and now he's he's a big leader of that Shatard team so you got kind of a family dynamic uh, in that 3a game with Shatard there's a lot of those type of stories but uh, yeah that's it's a uh, there, there's obviously a lot of them going into this weekend.
2: Hey, Kyle, it's Brendan. Just to touch on that 6A game, I know 6A in the last number of years has kind of been the Indianapolis Bowl, right, of teams from around the city being in it. But Crown Point being there, first of all, their head coach, Craig Buzea, former head coach of one of my rival high schools in Chicagoland. So I called a playoff game of his at Homewood Flossport when I was like 15 or 16, and now he's here, which is pretty crazy. But you know, Crown Point, they played an in- instant classic, obviously, two overtimes against Westfield. Do you anticipate that they can give Ben Davis a game?
3: I think so. I mean, I, you know, looking at—I didn't really know much about them going into it, but you know, kind of the more, you know, just knowing of them, you know, and then and then talking to Westfield about them last week a little bit, and, and Jay Gilbert and and kind of what they were expecting. I think most people probably expected Westfield to beat Crown Point, honestly. Uh, but you know, that's a—I think a tougher team than you know maybe you would expect because this game, like you said, it's been the, Indianapolis's has been the winner of 6A so many years now and it's just not been anyone other than them so you kind of I think you're probably your first indication is to make crown point a huge underdog in this game but you, but then you look at what they've done and and kind of their their personnel um, you know I think kind of leads you to think maybe they do have a chance Larry Ellison their running back is he I, I was talking to Coach Bozea the other day about it. He he hadn't even carried the ball and never played running back up until this year, and he's been really a good player for uh, them. Eighteen hundred yards. They're a big team, and they can also. I think the the key to me is like they, you know they've been able to throw the. But they're not just the team that's going to try to line up in the I formation and run it down Ben Davis's throat. That's not going to work. <laughs> so not not you know not all the time, uh, but they can throw and, and their their quarterback uh, Noah. No, Ehrlich, he came from uh, Hobart, uh, and he's only a junior, but he's a really good player. I mean, he's he's capable of moving the ball through the air, uh, and that's what you have to do. And and they do have really good size. So, you know, it's a, it's a school, if you've ever been up there, to Crown Point, it's a school that has really nice facilities. Um, you know, you can see why this would be a, a team in the, in the future that's going to be really good. They have a lot of things going for them. And I think a coach now who really understands, you know, what it takes coaching at a big school in Illinois and uh he was planning to retire, you know, is is what he said, and now, you know, he he's uh you know, having a lot of fun doing what he's doing here with, with uh Crown Point. So I don't know. I mean, the speed of Ben Davis, to me, I, I don't know if they've seen a team that has Ben Davis's sort of speed and athleticism. And, and like I said, you can't – the hard part with Ben Davis is their linebackers are so good. To me, that's the key is their front seven. Their, back, their secondary is really good, too, but their front seven stopping to run, you know, that's kind of where teams have trouble with them. And, you know, that that's uh, – you know, it's hard to replicate that, and until you actually see it on Saturday night, so I don't know. We'll see. I think Westfield probably was a team that maybe is a year ahead of schedule, and they may, to make it to semi-state was a little bit of a surprise. I think we'd see, we thought we'd see HSC maybe there this year going into it. Um, you know, so I don't know. Ben Davis is a better team, I, I'd say, than Westfield uh you know and it took double overtime for crown point to beat westfield but they they led most of that game and they you know they were ahead most of it but yeah i think it, it you know to me i think i think there is some things that would lead you to think this could be a good game there's also other things that lead you to think you know ben davis is a fairly significant uh, favorite
1: eddie you've been sitting over there painting your face for the last five minutes I'm sure You got on a jersey that's like nine sizes too small because it's from when you were 14. You're dying to ask. I know you're dying to ask. Just ask it. Ask for the preview. Go. Do it. Sing the fight song. Come on. (laughs) You're a hawk. Yeah,
4: I was about to say. uh, I went to Decatur Central. What's a fight song? Do you know the Decatur Central fight song? Uh, Yeah, but I'm not going to sing it Come on. Come on. on.
2: It's it's the day before Thanksgiving. There's nobody
1: else in the building. No. (laughs) Kyle, can you believe this? Where did you go to high school, Kyle.
3: I went to Lincoln East in Lincoln, Nebraska. So,
1: is Lincoln? What's Lincoln East? What's their mascot? What What are they like? The Bulldogs, the Spartans? What are they? Spartans. Yeah, they are the Spartans. I, Good yeah.
3: You got on the second try.
1: Well, <laughs> I knew that. I just threw out my Spartan sweatshirt like an hour ago. Okay. So, so now in your, and those goons at West, you hated West, right? Those guys suck, right? We hated, we had, it was
3: weird, we had East, Northeast, and Southeast, and there was Lincoln High. So it really made no, now there have been, there are other additional schools, but we had we had well, East, Northeast, and Southeast. Wait a minute, the, the, the
1: East side of Lincoln is South Dakota, isn't it? Or like, or Missouri?
3: The East side of Lincoln's Missouri, isn't it? I don't understand, uh, what, I think Southeast was built before the rest of the city kind <laughs> rolled out that what? direction, yeah. so... You had, oh, yeah, so it was kind of a bizarre, uh, the, the names were a little bit strange. But if East but.
1: was in the finals, I mean, look at Eddie, like Eddie over here is trying to be a Mr. Coy guy, like he's not, this guy was up <laughs> until two in the morning planning a pep rally for crying oh, yeah, out loud, sure. right? <laughs> sure. So, so what is, let me ask you this. Eddie has been assigned the task, Kyle Rip Eddie Garrison as a proud alum of the Hawks. He has been assigned the task of organizing the victory parade through Mars Hill. Now, the question is, is he going to be able, is is he going to be reprieved of that because they're not going to win? Give me the DC breakdown.
3: No, I'm, I'm. I think he needs to. I, I think go ahead and, and get everything set up for that because I, you know, and Snyder. I think this is a fun matchup. And I was talking to Kyle Enright about this uh, Monday. Is they kind of mirror each other, you know, talent wise and, and skill position wise. These two, I think this this possibly could be the best, most fun game of the of the weekend. Um, you know, I think it could be a lot of points scored. But Decatur, to me, I think they're you know they have a really good quarterback, uh, Bo Polston, who you know, only a sophomore. You know, Michigan offered him. IU's offered him. He's got a lot of Big Ten and, and other um, you know schools looking at him. But the way they can run the ball, they ran the ball all over uh, Bloomington South last week, and they've got a really good uh, fullback. And I wrote about him earlier this season. But Albert Aguire who missed all of last year uh, with an injury, and he's been able to come back and and kind of be a leader for them and, and lead the way as a, as a blocking fullback for uh info dodo and casey berry who both are about a thousand yard rushers so you know i that that to me is the key if they can run the ball like they have been against snyder uh, i think they're gonna gonna win this game i'm gonna pick them to win it but but snyder also has some some serious talent they have a really obviously a really good history of uh tradition at, at football at uh, snyder and you know i think they're gonna be you know i think they're gonna be capable of putting some points up as well you're right if you uh their senior running back. And then Karan Billingsley is their quarterback who gave Warren central some trouble this year. They beat Warren central. So that should tell you a lot about what they're capable of doing, but, yeah, I would go ahead and set up Eddie. Go ahead and set up the uh, the parade routes. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you it's going to be hard for him anyway. to
1: drive the car with the talons because he's got the outfit on as the hawk. Right. <laughs> the good thing it's a short drive,
4: 20 minutes from some <laughs> Lucas Oil Stadium the uh, Cator Central High right. School. That's right.
1: That's exactly right. Or do you have the? And you're wearing the hawk outfit to the game. Is that right?
4: Uh, well, I'll be producing the game, so I will not be able to attend. Do
1: you do it? Do you do a ah, ah, <laughs> Do you do like a, a sound effect or anything? No, I do not. That's your hawk impression that's <laughs> you know, the best i can do i was a panther i you know it's been a while since i've impersonated a hawk uh all right kyle so busy couple of days for you listen i love it i think it's great downtown you got the pacers playing you got the circle of lights you got the football state finals so last question for you kyle nedden rip is this you are thankful for what for thanksgiving
3: I am thankful I'm going to be able to spend it with my family and and uh I'm thankful that almost all of my previous stuff is 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 close to being done. So how about that? I'm I'm uh That's I'm fair. hoping not to work a ton tomorrow, so but I but I still got a lot I got a little bit to do but uh but, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely thankful for this weekend as well. I mean, from a professional standpoint to, uh, you know, it's one of my favorite weekends of the year uh, to, to always be at the state finals. And, and I really do enjoy it. And I hope people get down there and, and enjoy it as well because it is it, – it's one of the more fun – we're pretty lucky to be able to have that at, uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium and all six teams and, and everything. It's always a fun way to end the football season. Now I'm looking up, by the way, the notable alumni
1: of Lincoln East High School oh boy uh, they got like seven listed here uh I'm a, you're not there which is odd you should be to be honest with because they, <laughs> they got some guy named dan brown as a blogger now that's not dan brown yeah. the author that wrote all the conspiracy theory books right i don't think so i don't know it's been a it's been a while since i've uh he goes by back. the youtube alias pogo bat okay that guy's out he's not that's not a notable alum um <laughs> now you got eric stokes nfl scout and executive are you familiar with him
3: Yes. Yeah, he was about four or five years older than me. Played Played in the NFL for a little bit. Okay. Uh, Kent Wells, you familiar with him? Yeah, uh, another football player.
1: Played with the Giants, right? Sixth round of the uh, the 90 draft. Uh, Robert Zatechka, am I right in that and how I'm saying that?
3: Zatiska, yeah, another football player. Played Z- in
1: Nebraska. Zatiska, okay. So he was a Husker, right? Probably played for Osborne. And then mm-hmm. uh, Mike Zintik, is that right? Th- that's an allergy yeah, medication, isn't it?
3: who's <laughs> his, his, his mike Zennick's uh dad lee was a uh, a really good he was a coach at lincoln east where i went to school for a long he was my coach for a couple of years played with then the retired. cowboys and the chiefs yeah okay
1: and then kyle Neddenrip. kyle Neddenrip's the last one that's in there right De- yes, I did graduate from there. It so does say at the bottom, Kyle Neddenrip, noted Decatur Central believer. That's what it says. Okay, well, exactly. Eddie, Eddie obviously is getting on Wikipedia, which anybody can edit. Uh, Kyle, we appreciate it, man. Enjoy the holiday. All right. All right, thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. All right, Kyle Neddenrip joining us on the. Eddie, are you not? Are you get? You're not even going to go to the game? When's the last time Decatur Central was in a, a state championship?
4: Oh, uh, it was a few years ago, not too long ago. It was either nineteen or twenty. I always get them backwards because of the pandemic. They're in. I think it was nineteen. Did they win? No, they lost to New Pal. That was the Charlie Spiegel days. Oh, Yeah, that's right. Okay, that was the first of the back-to-back so like 62 undefeated to nothing seasons. Or something? No, it was actually I think a one-possession game, uh, but it was low-scoring. I think it was like twenty, twenty to fourteen. Hey, you in that played round. baseball,
1: right? I did. Do you still have your baseball hat? I do. I think. I size think. eight and a half, right? Yeah. You know what we said. Yeah, that's <laughs> back.
4: That's back in the day.
1: Okay, and then <laughs> before uh, it grew another inch. What, what? What? Here we go. What jersey number were you?
4: Ooh, ooh, um, go eighteen. With-
1: Eighteen, big Peyton Manning guy, were you?
4: No, see the way that Frank Schwindel, our jerseys were no. by size.
1: <laughs> okay, so
4: that we is... didn't get to pick our number okay. outside of the one special jersey or one custom well, jersey well, we got. Was, if it was ranked
1: year. by size, who was number one? Derek Schultz, <laughs>
4: uh, one of the assistant coaches, actually.
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wait, one was the smallest. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. How
2: short was your assistant coach?
4: guy he, runs around in the I mean, shower was, to get wet.
2: <laughs> I think he's
4: like 57, five, 56. Five, oh
2: See
1: the first base coach?
4: Uh he was the in, middle infield coach and he ironically was the first base coach. That's hilarious. Now do you
1: still have your catcher's mitt? I do. And, and do you have do you did you ever get bruising in your palm? Uh
4: I
2: actually broke my thumb. Mm. So yeah.
1: Wow. You were a catcher too?
2: Yeah. Same. How about that? Never knew that about you.
1: You were a catcher, Brennan? I was. What number were you? 22. Wow, well, okay. But I,
2: but I was 21.
1: B- bigger well, guys at Brennan School, right? We, we Oh, it wasn't based on size. You were Danny Dreesen fan, were yeah. you? Uh, it was my dad's number. Okay, that's cool. Fair enough. Matt Taylor going to join us at 2 o'clock, talk about the Colts, and then we're going to take a lot of calls from you folks. want to know what you're thankful for, and I want to know what you think about the Ursa interview and still the Shaq Leonard news. I think people now starting to embrace it. Obviously, Shaq talking yesterday. We'll fill you in on that next. Yesterday...
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: Eight hey, oh, oh, about 22 hours ago, maybe 20 hours ago, you know, coming off of the news that Shaquille Leonard had been released by the Colts in what was obviously jarring news just about 24 hours ago when that news came out, um you know, he was doing a turkey giveaway for the holidays through a local church and still honored that. And it was at that event where he spoke. And I thought it was interesting because it doesn't necessarily completely align with what he had said previously. Um, as a matter of fact, I guess we could we could probably do the translator on this, Eddie. But is this too sensitive a subject for our translator to be used?
4: I don't know, Jake. You're the one who invested in such translator the Elixir. equipment. Oh, I've,
1: I've heard, heard about the, this. Yeah, the Elixir translator. Yep, that's yep. right.
4: We um, haven't used it in a while. You're the only one who spent the money for it because Jimmy and I haven't gotten paid yet. <laughs> By who? <laughs> the company. That's tough. And he's chairman of the board over there. What's so, your treasurer um, doing? We don't have a treasurer. That maybe that's part of the reason.
2: Can I apply? No.
1: No. Uh we're not taking interns. Uh, uh, mm. Okay, so let's just play what Shaquille Leonard had to say yesterday in the comments that he had. I think most have heard it by now, but if you have not, uh, do we have those, Eddie? This is Shaquille Leonard yesterday at his giveaway talking about his release from the Indianapolis Colts.
10: It was the biggest surprise ever, you know, but... <laughs> No, I don't make those decisions, you know. It was shocking. I asked for a November meeting. I guess I got a November meeting. So, I guess you got to be careful what you ask for. I just wish it was a win a little different. Uh, I felt like I gave a lot to this community, gave a lot to the team, like, gave a lot to the organization. I just feel like I should have been there through the end, I guess. You know, I think that's one thing that I most heard about. Um, I wouldn't mind, you know, if I had to take a backseat role or whatever the case. Um, I just felt like I left them boys out to drive. Now, you know, just walking away with seven games left and not being in their
1: corner, you know, that it hurts. Now, Brendan, you chuckled. I did. Elaborate on why you chuckled.
2: It just goes against everything he said when he was saying why he wasn't playing on third down, why he was splitting snaps with EJ Speed. I mean, it's like any other breakup where. At the end of a breakup, you probably say something different than what the argument was about, because you try and save your own
1: look. Yeah, so in other words, he did not appear to be a guy that was ready to take a backseat role until suddenly that was the only option that he would have had, and he didn't realize it until it was too late, right? That's right.
2: Well, also, imagine showing that clip of Shaquille Leonard to Shaquille Leonard two years ago. Totally different. He, he would have never said something. And, and again, be it. He got released. The emotions were high. He said he wanted to stay through the end. I, I believe that's true. I believe that he would have wanted to stay through through the end. But if you show that guy, that clip, when he was, he's always been a confident guy. And he's always had that shtick about him. We talked about that yesterday, Jake. But there's just no way that that guy two years ago would have said that in this position now post-breakup
1: i did get a kick out of this by the way um in the comments that were being made about him and and you know there was a lot of conversation yesterday about the news with shaquille leonard right and one person on are we calling it x or twitter which are we going with i still say
2: twitter to be honest with you and always be twitter to me it's like the sears tower
1: yeah, the Sears Tower is the one that was it Willis is Willis it? Tower. Yeah. What, what do we even know what Willis is?
2: No, and there's a rumor it might be changing again.
1: Back to Sears. <laughs> I hope so. Well,
2: <laughs> that, too bad. That,
1: you got a hey, mail order. When's the last time you've been to a Sears? Are they all closed? Uh, there's a There's a Sears in Castleton that's attached to the mall that that when I become mayor. That Sears and then several of the Marsh stores around town. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna take all those over through eminent domain, and we are going to then hire people who are in need of a job, and also um, some homeless folks that could use the money, and we're going to get a bunch of iron industrial-sized bunk beds and put them in there, and then lock the door, and we're going to get board games donated. And then anytime there's a natural disaster anywhere in the state of Indiana, you have an immediate emergency shelter situation for people to go to places. So that's what that Sears is going to be. Query 2026? Is that what it is? Uh, probably like 2060. Uh, <laughs> this from Stephen Burton last night on X Twitter. Um, we can jump into how he wasn't producing and how he wasn't the same player as before the surgery, but... Take a second and remember, this is a man with family who just lost his job before the holidays. His wife and kids now have to prepare to move from the only home they've known. Be a human. I I, I don't disagree, but I did point out... Well, actually, I do disagree, and I'll tell you I, why. Yeah, I get half of that. His children are four and two years old, right? So, like, my family... When I was born, we lived in Shelbyville. When I was a year and a half, we moved to Evansville. When I was three, we moved back to Shelbyville. When I was five and a half, we moved to Indianapolis. My dad did not, at that point, have netted $52 million. I was going to say. I don't I don't think it's overly uncommon for people at a young age to have moved a few times. Most people you talk to, they're like, oh, that's the house we lived in until I was six. You know, that kind of thing.
2: How many people lose their jobs before the holidays and have millions and millions of dollars that's, to I draw mean, back in? Y- yeah, let's...
1: Look, it, it, it sucks for him, for sure, but A, it, his career's not over, and B... He's going to go make more millions of dollars. They, they gave him $6 million as a golden parachute, right? Matt Taylor next. We will check
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you
1: with matt taylor just a couple of minutes here and bucks coming up on sunday it's funny brendan because and i get it i mean we're obviously off the next two days but they post each game day the twitter prediction for all of us for the game and they already sent it out hey what's your prediction for the game on sunday i'm like uh, dude have they even practiced yet <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like it's kind of early to guess right
2: we are uh, very much in the business of that. Of It is a true predictor, right? Without knowing injuries and whatnot. Yeah, Josh I mean, Downs is practicing today, I just saw. So that's helpful. I would
1: imagine virtually everybody that was of health question is going to be at some point on the field, right? I mean, uh, let me rephrase that. I, they didn't – you know, the Colts don't have – I mean, some of those players that were questionable or dinged up going into the bye, one, I don't know that anybody had anything that was – bad enough that you would assume they're out you would assume that they've mended right
2: ryan kelly wearing a red jersey today still progressing through concussion protocol
1: man i'll tell you what
2: that's the second one of the year right
1: he had he's one said, early he's in the had year? a couple right i mean i think he just had two this year oh, okay, yeah i would i would assume at some point you would start to think about those things i no i think any player i mean i understand if any player decides Enough's enough, right? Have you felt like there has been
2: an abnormal amount of concussions this year?
1: Excellent question. And, Brendan, I have felt like – I've asked that several times on this show, kind of rhetorically, of are we seeing more concussions or is there greater precaution about them and thus they are taking more things as a sign and being more precautious? And I think it's the latter, But it certainly feels like the awareness or the discussion or the mention of them is more so than in years past. No question about it. Uh, Joining us now in the program, he is the voice of the Indianapolis Colts, Matt Taylor, joining us. And Matt, look, the elephant in the room would be this, and that is that it was just about 24 hours ago that we got the news that Shaquille Leonard uh, is being released by the Colts. So I guess the question for you would be we kind of know, I guess, from a numbers and snaps reps standpoint where that's made up because he has not been on the field a lot or with the frequency that we had seen in his his Zenith years for certain. Um, But just were you kind of overall surprised by it? And, you know, what do you think the overall temperate of the locker room is with that news?
11: Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, I was I was surprised by it. I mean, I'm not Anytime you you know just just to to read those um, those words and to, to to say it out loud, the fact that you know Shaq Leonard, a guy that was drafted in the second round, is a you know four time All Pro player and a three time Pro Bowler, and um, you know set the franchise record for for tackles in a single season in twenty eighteen and um, defensive player of the year, or defensive rookie of the year, I should say, uh, back in twenty eighteen. Just it, it's just a reminder of how the NFL is a cruel bottom line business, you know, and, and guys in the locker room today, um, you know, they were real about it and they, 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 know, I mean, the NFL stands for not for long and, um, you know, not, not to say that I'm numb to it, but you know, anytime Andrew Luck retires, uh, you know, 10 days before a regular season opener, you've basically seen it all. And, you know, this is just another uh, again, chapter and reminder that the NFL is it, it's a bottom line type of deal. And, You know, if you're not – and I I think it's through, you know, no fault of Leonard's Leonard's ability. It's just I think injuries kind of robbed him of of who he once was and who he once was was just phenomenal. I mean, from 2018 to 2021, um, I don't think we've ever seen it uh, around here in terms of production and splash plays on defense. I mean, those four years, 17 fumbles, picked off 11 passes, recovered seven fumbles – um, he had 15 sacks. I mean, that's just unheard of. But you know, again, when you have basically four procedures done in the span of two years, and two different procedures done. Uh, well, I guess I guess three to, you know, one, one on an ankle, two on a back, trying to address the same problem. Um, it's just really unfortunate what you know what those injuries and what those procedures did to derail his his career and his trajectory. But If you know Shaq and his story and the amount of fight and the amount of work and sacrifice and dedication he had just to get back on the field this year and to play as much as he did this year and to look as as good as he did, certainly not up to where he was, but um, I don't think a lot of people understand the backstory of just how much sacrifice there was for him just to be available to play football again this year considering what he went through in 2022 and 2023 off the field going under the
1: knife, Matt, I and I apologize, I broke my own radio rule because I had said at the beginning of the show that every person that came on today, we were going to lead the conversation, whether it be callers or guests, with what you are thankful for, either in the world of sports or since last year's thanksgiving that has taken place over the course of the year so table is yours pardon the pun you are thankful for what
11: oh man so so much i mean i I guess if i have to narrow it down i would just say you know first and foremost family um unbelievable wife unbelievable parents um great great i have one sibling older brother and his kids his family so just incredibly thankful for them i'll spend the day with them on friday I'll see my in-laws tomorrow and, and their family. Incredibly thankful for them. Um, and and two, just so, my two kids right now are at such a fun age. They're six and three. They keep you on your toes and they say things. <laughs> they say things. You're like, how did you, where did you hear that word? Or where did you hear, you know, that, that phrase? And, and they, they use them in just perfect context. So I'm just thankful for, you know, the laughter and the time that we're getting with them, um, you know, as, as two young kids growing up and, um yeah just just thankful for for everything to be able to be in this position to you know do the do the job or have the job that i grew up um you know wanting as a 10 year old kid so that all of that's not lost on me so those are the big things that i'm I'm probably thankful for this year
1: yeah i mean overall obviously we've got pretty good pretty fun jobs right with good people and, and fun stuff around us um so certainly echo those sentiments for certain um Matt, when you look at coming off of the bye week, take me through, and we had talked to Kevin about this earlier in the week, but a typical week for the Colts in terms of their schedule is what? And this week deviates. When you consider coming off the bye combined with the Mm -hmm. holiday, uh, how are things different this week? It's really not,
11: to be honest with you. I mean, they're still going to practice on Thursday. The only difference might be that they're going to speed up the day or – kind of bump up the day earlier than they normally would, right? They're going to practice earlier, probably on Thursday. Um, but they, they're still going to get in all their work that they normally do on a Thursday. You know, coaches joke, I know Rick Venturi always kind of, kind of jokes about this, you know, like in the life of the NFL, like Thanksgiving is just Thursday <laughs> for all intents and purposes, right? It's, it's red zone day or what's pickup or whatever – the routine is in terms of practice that week. Um, so they're still going to practice and, and go through their meetings and all that stuff, but they might do it a little bit earlier in the day than normal, so that guys can you know get out of here maybe at you know three o'clock or four o'clock instead of getting out of here at five and six, so they can go home. And a lot of guys obviously don't have an, uh, enough time to go back home and be with friends and family. So a lot of guys will kind of team up and get together at one another's house. Um, and then have Thanksgiving uh, dinner together. Maybe somebody will cook, or maybe they'll have it catered in. But the guys will pretty much kind of congregate um, with one another at a couple of different houses and homes, and and spend Thanksgiving you know evening together, um, despite not being you know with friends and family that can fly in just for the the short turnaround. There. Do
1: they still do the prank? This was a Manning era thing, Matt. So it predates uh when you would have been the voice of the Colts but but and maybe they carried it on but they used to do a prank where and I think Manning was the spearhead behind it but they would send rookies into grocery stores and tell them that like oh yeah that you know that grocery store partnered with the Colts and you get a free turkey you just have to go in and ask for it <laughs> and then they would videotape like these guys going into the manager like yeah I'm here to get my free turkey <laughs> they don't still do that I, do they <laughs> I, I don't
11: know I, I'll have to ask guys maybe later today or tomorrow um I've, I've never heard of that but that's that's fan, that's fantastic it's like i used to paint houses as a kid um you know my my summer job in high school and college i, I painted houses on a paint crew probably with like first, one of the
1: football coaches or something like that usually right it's usually like right yeah
11: yeah so my my first my first day on the job i'm maybe like 16 years old and the guy that had been on the crew for probably like five summers in a row he sends me to porter paint and he says bring you know get get two gallons of paint you know we need a uh scrub brush and he goes and also pick up a left handed paintbrush and i (laughs) fell i fell for it hook line and sinker dude like i was so naive so it kind of reminds me of something like that just
1: seven paint stores before they're like hey man i got news for you right (laughs) a left-handed paintbrush just like a left-handed drumstick that is beautiful absolutely beautiful uh matt taylor the voice of the colts is our guest so um you know, Tampa's an interesting matchup. I don't know that we know as much about the Bucks, Matt, just because they're they're kind of one of those teams we haven't heard a lot about this year, right? But four and six, Baker Mayfield, I think, has probably played um, yeah. maybe exceeded expectation and and has worked his way into being a guy that's going to get another look in Tampa. But do the Colts really start getting into what Tampa does just yet, or is that does that come once they get back out onto the field and resume things for the back end of the week?
11: Yeah, they're they're on that today, so they're they're very much in game planning mode today. And you know, it's crazy if if you look at, I know we kind of talked about this in weeks past, kind of what what could be and what could be set up for the Colts if they can get to five and five. And and now that they're here, if you look at the last seven games, I know you guys have talked about this, but I mean, they're they're all winnable. You could win all seven, you could lose all seven. I mean, that's that's life in the NFL, I suppose, but. I think, for in a lot of different ways, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kind of present some of the most unique challenges for the Colts in their final seven. I, I'm not saying it's the most difficult game on their schedule, but you know, certainly on offense, they've got premium players at, at the wide receiver spot and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, um, and then you mentioned Baker Mayfield. He's, I don't think he's going to be confused with a top ten quarterback, but. I don't think he's nearly as bad as some of the the critics um you know have poured on him over the course of his career. i mean right now his quarterback rating's kind of middle of the road um, his completion percentage is trending to uh, being a career high for him at sixty four percent and he's just a really for lack of a better term he's a really good like under pressure quarterback, both you know against the blitz so physically he's good against the pressure, but he's just a really good like backs against the wall type of guy, you know, in the third quarter, fourth quarter or a game winning drive. Baker Mayfield has historically been pretty good in the NFL in those types of moments. So um, you have to contend with that. And then, you know, their defense is good against the run, just like it was two years ago. It's kind of ironic that the Colts are playing the Buccaneers um, at Lucas oil stadium uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving, they did that two years ago in 2021 weekend and remember that was the year where the Colts of the game where the Colts they threw it like 26 consecutive times between the third quarter and the fourth quarter there were a bunch of called passes and some RPOs that were thrown by Carson Wentz and they kind of went away from the run in that game I don't think they can afford to do that this time because they still have some of those same players and Vita Vea and uh, I know Kalijah Kancey's a rookie but Shaq Barrett's back and Levante David's going to go if, if he's healthy enough on Sunday. So they're really good against the run, not very good against the pass. So it, it's kind of an interesting dynamic here when you look at the Buccaneers. They're 4-6, and six, only a game out of first place in the NFC South. So in a lot of ways, they've got a lot of name recognition. They've got eight pro, former Pro Bowlers on their team. So it, it's almost like individually they're better than the, the team performance but they can beat you in any given Sunday here. And so I think this game on Sunday for the Colts kind of represents maybe one of their stiffest challenges the rest of the way on paper – in their final seven games.
2: Hey Matt, Brendan here. Good to hear your voice. Happy Thanksgiving. I, I had this on my list of questions, and since you brought it up, I'll, I'll ask it now. You mentioned the last time the Bucks were at Lucas Oil. Uh, two of the last three years. You know, you get the state finals Friday, Saturday into Colts Bucks on Sunday. But you know, part of that game, you know, you were calling one of those classic Tom Brady fourth quarter comebacks. So, you know, as you were calling that, was it just kind of like in a vortex? You're like, oh, here we go. He's got the ball with two minutes to go.
6: Yeah, it,
11: it, that that was – I mean, the Colts have had so many heartbreaking losses at home in the last two and a half years, and that was one of them. And, again, like I go back to the fact that, you know, Tom Brady's not there anymore, but, you know, they still have a ton of just individual great players. I mean, Evans and Godwin routinely over 1,000 yards. Evans has been over 1,000 yards nine straight years. Um, despite not running it very well as a team, in fact, they're 32nd in the league in rushing I mean, Rashad White is a really good athletic pass-catching back, so maybe they can kind of, you know, get some hidden yardage uh, and some scrimmage yards with him to kind of make up for their lack of a traditional running game. Chase Edmonds is really good as well, you know, individually, and just their defense is just, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a who's who. I mean, Winfield's been in the league for four years. He's a, just a do-it-all player at safety, you know, tackles for loss and sacks and passes defense. But the the caveat with with their defense, um, specifically this week with their secondary, they're kind of banked up. Jamel Dean's got an injury. Um, So does Carlton Davis. The big one would be Levante David. If if he can't play on Sunday with his groin, that would be a big time advantage for the Colts. He's been in the league since 2012, and he's I mean, I think it's an understatement to say he's the captain, the leader of that defense. He's the guy that kind of makes everything go and gets guys lined up and. Playing in the you know in the right harmonious direction, if you will, similar to how Zaire Franklin does with the Colts. So, if he can't play on Sunday, that would be a big time advantage for the Colts, especially in their running game. Trying to establish Jonathan Taylor and to not have Gardner Minshew. I mean, even though they can take advantage of the Bucks in this game um, through the air, you don't want Gardner Minshew having to throw it forty plus times in a game like this.
1: Matt, all of the Colts players are getting together for a Thanksgiving dinner. Okay. Tell me the player, you know, there's always a guy on a team that when they walk into the locker room, the tone is set because every they just have a natural leadership about them where everybody just kind of defers to their mood, if you will. That happens in any workplace. I think we know that Zaire Franklin has that tendency about himself and has become a captain, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson, you know, the quarterback typically just naturally has that aura about them. Tell me the guy that walks into the room when everybody's getting ready to eat and then they realize, oh, wait a minute, he hasn't filled his plate yet, so let's stop and, and just kind of wait for him. <laughs> that people would be surprised by. Tell me the guy in that locker room that has that oh. presence amongst his peers that people would be surprised by.
11: Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, if, if, you know, the obvious ones would be, you know, if, if Ryan Kelly's still hungry, you leave the last drumstick for him. Same thing with DeForest Buckner. Yeah. Um, Man, it's a, like kind of a, a de- you're going for like a deceptive leader. Yeah, one that-, that
1: people'd be like, man, that, you know, in other words, and, and this is going to sound, Matt, like I'm really putting you on the spot here, but I think that like if we walked into, porter paints and while we were buying a left-handed paintbrush we asked the guy behind the counter this question he's going to say <laughs> ryan kelly deforest buckner Zaire franklin yeah. right but <laughs> right. somebody listening is going well matt Taylor's the voice of the colts and he sees the locker room from time to time so he might have insight of somebody that would surprise the left-handed paintbrush guy that player would be who um maybe julian blackman
11: kenny moore you know those two guys have a quiet presence about them but they're Incredibly, you know, widely respected across the locker room despite what side of the ball you're
1: talking Julian about. Julian Blackman's a good one because he's a, yep. he, and he's also been I, I've I've always felt Matt you know, when healthy, he's been kind of an underappreciated like they know what they're getting out of him and he I think he plays his part well when he's healthy, right? But oh, he doesn't yeah. get a lot of pub for it. And he's only missed when
11: you talk about being healthy. I think he's only missed one snap all season. Yeah, but I mean, early
1: a, in his career, that was an issue, right?
11: Oh, yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. He had the Achilles injury a couple of years ago. But it's a big year for him. I mean, it's a contract year. And, I mean, he's he's been an absolute steady force for this team um, at the safety spot. And He's, he's switched positions uh, in the offseason. He went from free safety to strong safety. Another guy that... It just has this quiet confidence about him that everybody respects and would probably leave some extra mashed potatoes for, it would be Sam Ellinger. I mean, everybody just respects the heck out of that guy, and he just goes about his business and keeps his head down, and he's a good teammate, doesn't disrespect anybody. You know, he's always prepared, he's always ready. So he's probably going to have some leftovers. Um, just kind of scouring the roster here a little bit. Maybe Zach Moss, too. I mean, it seems that for the, all the same reasons. I mean, he's, he's taking a step back now in terms of workload and snap count because of Jonathan Taylor heating up. But, I mean, what more did you want from Zach Moss in the first five games of the season? So he might deserve some extra turkey, too.
1: Okay, now give me the guy, Matt. Give me the two, maybe, that – are the the funny uncle the ones that come in and immediately everybody's (laughs) glad they're there because they're gonna like 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 everybody's sitting around they've just said grace it's kind of serious and then this guy cracks a joke about how undercooked the stuffing is everybody laughs the mood's (laughs) lightened and you're like that's why that guy's there because everybody loves him
11: uh isaiah mckenzie is pretty he's he's a you know he, he he's a ball buster if you will um probably Grover Stewart. I know Grover's still obviously serving that, you know, 6 game suspension, but you know, in terms of team camaraderie and hanging out with the guys outside of the building, that's still allowed and within the parameters. So, you know, he's going to be there. Everybody talks about him being the the he's like the the guy that's always willing to dish it out. He's Grover's okay. just
1: more diligently checking the ingredients, by the way, for what it's
11: worth. <laughs> yes, no doubt. Um so th- those are the guys that come to mind trying to think about somebody else here. Maybe Maybe somebody else on defense. Tyquan Lewis is a he's 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 a guy that'll that'll give it to you pretty good. He's an instigator, as they say. So yeah, those those are the guys that come to mind in, in terms of that. Yeah.
1: Matt, is there? Ever, in, in I can't remember off the top of my head, so I'll, I'll defer to you on this. When you're coming off by, the, the, when the team is. Is slow start a possibility? I mean, does it take a second for teams to kind of get back in rhythm on Sunday against Tampa, or is it the opposite? Is it like, hey, they're rested, refreshed, and ready to roll?
11: Well, I think for a lot of these guys, I mean, you talk about Josh Downs specifically, uh, hopefully for his case, like he's just – I mean, I talked to him today about an hour ago in the locker room, and he said he feels – like right now, comparatively speaking, um, with how banged up he was – uh, playing only like 15 snaps in Germany against the Patriots you know having that full week off and not having to practice and getting some more rehab and getting some more doctor's eyes on his knee he said right now he feels like it's like the first day of training camp in terms of how good he feels and i always felt like you know as a broadcaster as a guy that's like in the in the in the in the, you know, the grind of of just getting ready for games i would personally like to have by kind of mid-October, kind of it breaks up the start of training camp. Um, kind of like ten weeks in, you know, when you factor in training camp and preseason games, mid-October is a good like break for me. But when you talk to like players and coaches, they want it basically where it was by week and, 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 and late November or, or mid-November because you, you get a week off before the home stretch, and the home stretch is always the, the weekend after Thanksgiving. They got seven games left. You're fully um, mentally prepared for the magnitude of all of these games. You're getting physically right. So I, I think in this case, it, it, it should hopefully jumpstart this offense. It's been kind of sluggish the last two games. They've been under 20 points on offense in each of the last two. Um, so hopefully you know, the, the big playability comes back with the healthy downs and Pittman and Jonathan Taylor feeling right, ready to go physically and mentally with about a month and a half left of the season.
2: Matt, I did have a question about Shaq and let's say 5, 10 years from now around here publicly because you mentioned at the start of this interview the Hall of Fame path that he got to, got that he got started on, right? I mean, there's no questioning that. But do you think around here publicly folks are going to remember more what he did or more so what could have been without the injuries?
11: Oh, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any question. It's about all the moments that he had, you know, again, from 2018 to 2021. I mean, it's kind of like how we view Peyton Manning right now. Like, I don't think a lot of us think of how many Super Bowls the Colts should have won or could have won uh, after that 2011 season. You just remember, I mean, name recognition and, uh, I mean, whatever you want to call it, like the, the first thing that pops into your brain when you think of Peyton Manning, you just think of, 12 and four every year in winning the AFC South and hosting playoff games. I mean, that's, that's what I think of anyway. So I guess I can only speak for myself, but you know, when I have um, name connotation in, in 2028 um, with, with Shaq Leonard or Darius Leonard, it's going to be just how dominant he was when he was healthy. And you got to put that in, you know, in, in an asterisk, I guess, because even when he wasn't healthy, you know, that, that, that entire 2021 season when he played with that ankle, which kind of started all of this in terms of him going downhill with the injuries, I mean, he, he gutted through that entire year with that nagging ankle injury and still led the NFL with 15 takeaways and was named first-team All-Pro. So that's those are the types of things that I'll remember Shaq Leonard for not being released in the middle of the season and having – you know, um, a disgruntled view of things because not being able to play on third down. That's that's just me, but um, again, it's just a reminder of, of how just kind of crappy of a business the NFL can be sometimes when a player like that um, gets released before his contract is over with the Colts.
1: Matt, we had Eric Edholm on from the NFL Network. I think it was either at the beginning, I think it was the beginning of the week, might have been the end of last week. And we got into a discussion a very important one and and you know I almost felt bad you weren't part of it because it's right up your alley Um, and your kind of expertise your insights would be critical to this sort of a discussion so I wanted to offer you the opportunity to to join it Uh, if all of the NFL mascots got into a fight which one do you think actually wins who's the last (laughs) one standing there's a there's a royal rumble of mascots well l- let's say so not not the actual mascot, so I don't mean like blue, but I mean like a colt, a lion, a jet a a titan, a saint like they're all they're all at Thanksgiving, right, and there's only a plate for one, and they're all hungry. who gets the plate
11: <laughs> uh well, it's definitely not a dolphin, it's definitely not a Texan
1: yeah. Let's see. well the texan if he's got a gun i mean yeah, yeah that's dolphins true.
2: are very smart animals they bro. are smart that's true yeah yeah they're they're a mammal they, you know so. um. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. <laughs> it's fun. A, it's dolphin fish. dolphins a lack mammal. a little punch with those little fins though it's hard right whip you with um, your tail the snout stuff tough though but see i, I, mean, I th- i'm probably i'm probably gonna have to go with a bear right see i it depends on the kind of bear see that's the problem right if it's a polar bear i would agree grizzly bear probably Yeah. but then again somebody pointed this out to me if i'm not mistaken and and listen i i was not one for greek mythology but my understanding is the titans were like basically unbeatable in, in yeah, greek true. mythology they had to they had yeah. to like lock them up yeah. because nobody could beat them and then you know saints you get into a whole thing uh with the saint uh, you know what was the saint in life i mean were they you know what i mean but the, right. you would think that yeah. they're probably pretty placid i would think um <laughs> a, a jet is tough how do you how do you catch up with the jet right if it decides to leave what's it gonna do it's gonna jet out of there right? that's that's all. Yeah. that's that's a challenge right lion it, king of the it, jungle any any of the birds are out. I mean, we can we can defeat birds. Jake's right. currently wearing right. a Seahawks shirt. I, so. Yeah, the the ospreys are out, right? So too are the the Falcons. Yeah, they're gone. Cardinals. I mean, don't even Cardinals don't even. they shouldn't even show right. up, right? Maybe, maybe the, a Panther. Here's I mean, the I thing. I
11: don't want to. I don't want to lock. I don't want to lock eyes with a Panther. Let's you know? be real
1: about this, Matt. None of the birds are going to want to eat the turkey anyway, right? I mean, they're not cannibals. <laughs> I mean, they're Falcons, right? I mean, come on. Let's yeah, be real. I'm
11: saying either. I mean, a gladiator titan, you know. Just, yeah. just think of how how yoked a, 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 a <laughs> right,
6: know,
11: a, right, an old time titan might be. Uh, he could probably take out a bear. I don't know if he could take out a panther. A panther's probably still going to maul him. See, I
1: love it. I, I'm a big fan of panthers. I went to North Central, so I'm a panther fan, right? I, I, panthers yeah. is cool. All right, well, I'm, I'm sticking. I'm putting you down as panthers. Is that cool? That's fine. Put me as a panther. That says <laughs> panther beats titan. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we know the Buccaneers aren't going to be up there either. They're just going to be wh- wheeling around that sword. But you will we'll see them on Sunday. Uh, Colts yep. and Bucks at the Lucas Oil Stadium. Matt, enjoy the holiday, man. Enjoy uh, both rounds of it tomorrow and then with your family as well on Friday, and then we'll be listening on Sunday. I appreciate you guys. You guys do the same. Have a great holiday, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Matt. Matt. Taylor, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts. Yes, Brendan? I got a joke for you. Okay.
2: Why couldn't the Buccaneer finish the alphabet?
1: Well, the conventional wisdom is going to be because it never made it out of the sea. Um, but maybe it just got stuck on the... R. It could Very be good. Wand, I,
2: right? See, I, I knew I would set you up to get the oh right goodness. answer.
4: Goodness, don't get the part no. thing started.
2: Oh, I knew oh. I would set him up to get the right answer. we
4: will get Derek you know, Schultz a, quivering i do a great somewhere. leprechaun, too. You know that, right? Yeah. yeah. And British...
1: Yeah, Uh, 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 that's right. right. Uh, When we come back, I want to get back into last night, the interview with Jim Irsay. And we can talk to Pacers as well. But I really want to know this. I want to hear from you folks. And I want to hear in the world of sports or just in general, what you're thankful for from last year. So if you call in with a comment about the Pacers game last night or your reactions to the Jim Mercer interview, I'm curious how many people truly saw the Jim Mercer interview because it was on HBO and HBO Max, and I don't know how many people get it, and whether or not the overriding sentiment was uh, an inspiration from the things that Jim Mercer has overcome or a disappointment in some of the things that he said. I'm curious about those, and I would like to know people's reaction and comment at 239 Ten seventy. One other thing before we get to that on the other side, Eddie had mentioned this at the beginning, and I want to repeat it. Firefly is an organization on the west side of town, formerly known as the Children's Bureau, and they do fantastic work for children who are being basically, who have been displaced from domestic situations or situations where they need to be removed from the home, and some of them are there for a weekend, some of them are there for quite some time while in, in trying to offer them stability. They they house them, and they allow them to attend school regularly as if nothing had changed. But those children that are currently residing at Firefly, formerly the Children's Bureau on the west side, they have asked each child for a Christmas wish list. And you have the opportunity. Anybody can adopt a child by going to their website and finding out. You you can see right there the different children. It's heartbreaking. Some of, I mean, some of them, it's like they want... You know, socks and a book. I mean, it's very simple. I probably go a little bit above and beyond with the kids that I adopt each year, but it's a very gratifying thing. And these kids need it, need it, need it, need it. And they don't—they're not asking for it. They were asked to give their wish list. You can adopt a child by going to Firefly's website. The easiest way to do it, two ways. The first would be if you go to Twitter, or X as it's known, and go to my account at Jake Query. I've got it is my right there on the top. The pin tweet. The link is right there. The other thing that you can do, you can always obviously Google Home for the Holidays, Firefly, that's the name of the organization, or you can always simply text me and I will send you the link. And my number is 317-523-9288. I want to help out as many of these kids as possible. 317-523-9288. On the other side, your thoughts about Ursay last night and Pacers as well. So Brendan...
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqal com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: When you were at Butler yes. during Thanksgiving time, did you go home a lot? I
2: went home for Thanksgiving and Christmas, yeah.
1: Um, I loved it. I loved in those days... Um, just going – and listen, I, I want to say one other thing, and then we'll get on to, to last night talking about the Ursa situation and the Pacers. Um, for me and, and my my group of guys growing up, when we would come home, and maybe this is just me that remembers it this way, but, I'm, but I think most of my guys would, would say this as well. One of the places that we always would go when I was – When we'd all come home from college and then the first couple of years after college, you know, you'd call. I mean, I still remember all my buddies' parents' home phone number because they'd be staying at their parents' house, right? And you'd call, you know, and it was like getting the gang back together. And one of the places that we really enjoyed going uh, was along Broad Apple Avenue, and that includes Union Jack. We loved Union Jack on Broad Avenue. I watched a ton of Pacer games there, watched a lot of different sporting events at Union Jack, and they have moved across the street. They used to be right there – on Broderpool Avenue next to the shop on the north side of the street. They're now right across the street. But due to the construction and everything else of Broderpool Avenue, it's been really difficult for the, the owners of, of Union Jack. At no fault of theirs, it's just really hard to get to. You can get to it. You just have to park and kind of walk around. Um, so I want to try to get as many people at some point... You know, over the course of the next couple of months, if you're out and about and you're looking for a beer or just a bite to eat, whatever it may be, please consider Union Jack or any of those places on Broadup Avenue. And I think I might take the PBR party there. I got hey. to thinking about it. I thought, you know what? I've been talking about the PBR party forever. I-, I think I might just pick a day and just say, you know what? Let's kill two birds with one stone and let's do the PBR party that I've been talking about forever and let's help a local business and let's just do it at Union Jack. I love it. Just I mean, get as many people to go there during a Pacer game, maybe, and have PBR there and. Diet Cokes are fine, right? Diet Cokes are fine. Uh, Speaking of the Pacers, last night Tyrese Halliburton, a fantastic quarter. Quarter number three, he had 26 points. That is the highest point total in a quarter in a regular season in Pacers history. 16,000 quarters of play um, since getting into the NBA. Nobody has scored more in a quarter in a regular season game than Tyrese Halliburton last night. That's the good news. And the Pacers won a fabulous shootout with Atlanta. If you were going to nitpick, and I will here, their perimeter defense, and Halliburton is certainly a part of that, leaves a lot to be desired. The good news is they had the fire pyro last night to get out of a deficit and hold off Atlanta. The bad news is you have Buddy Heald hit, you know, he got red hot and hit a number of threes in a row. You had Halliburton with a a historic performance in terms of a quarter, and Even with all that, it still came down to the wire in a game that they, with any semblance of defense, should have won by 10 to 15 points. Defensively, there are areas that Indiana is in major need of getting shored up. They are at the Fieldhouse tonight taking on the Raptors to talk about Tyrese and the Pacers. Sam joins us on the show. Sam, our rule for today... In order to be able to comment about whatever sport you'd like, you have to begin by telling me either something in the sports world for which you're thankful or something since last Thanksgiving that you're thankful for. Hey, how you doing? Uh, my, my thing I'm thankful for is kind of a little bit of both. So I've,
9: I've recently started listening to you about the past five or six months, and I'm, I'm just thankful for being able to have something to listen to while I'm working. And what I'm also thankful for is I now know that the state fish for Hawaii is also the guy that beat the Colts yes. earlier this season in overtime, the Huma Huma Puka Nakua. Uh, <laughs> yes,
1: you're close, Sam. The Huma Huma Nuka Nuka, Nuka Apoaha. You are so yes. close, Sam. You yes. now what? what I Sam, I appreciate it. What line of work are you in? Uh, I'm I'm a lawn technician, so I do people's lawn care. Oh well, you are the official green thumb of the company. How's that? I love it, man! I'm excited to be a part of the company. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you. Tell me what you thought about the Pacers last night. Um,
9: well, one to touch on what you said, their defense is atrocious. Uh, it, it's not. It's not good to watch defensively, um, and I think that we can see the Pacers struggle when they play a good defensive team like they did in Orlando uh, against Orlando. Um, but I will say about Tyrese Halliburton is what I really wanted to talk about. Uh, I've watched the Pacers my whole life since Danny Granger, Jeff Foster. Um, In my opinion, Halliburton is not only the best Pacer that I've ever seen play for the Pacers, but I think he has real potential to be, if not already, a top three-point guard in the league. And I think that that should be something that gets Pacers fans absolutely fired up because that dude is a treat to watch.
1: I don't disagree with any of that, Sam. I, you know, and, and it does sound, listen, it, there's always going to be, you know, Reggie Miller will probably always be considered the greatest pacer just because he was the one that catapulted the franchise into national relevance and really gave it its first identity. And you'll always remember, you know, your first love. But in terms of, you know, the most versatilely skilled pacer in the NBA, and I'm not talking ABA years, in the NBA, if you really were being truthful, even though it might have been after here where it really blossomed. But the most versatilely skilled Pacer is probably Paul George. The Pacer that was the best player in their prime was probably George McGinnis. But by the time he was with the NBA Pacers, of course, it was later than that. And Reggie was obviously the most, you know, it goes without saying, everything people know about Reggie Miller. I don't disagree, though. Halliburton, in terms of his, he has lightning in a bottle potential. What happened last night Was And I know people were like, you know, there's no comparison between that and what Reggie did in the Garden against the Knicks. Maybe, because one was in the Eastern Conference Finals in a Game 5 in in an underdog role in the biggest media capital of the world in the most famous arena. I get all of that. Um, But, that said, it was like Reggie Miller in that regard, in the fact that Halliburton just caught lightning in a bottle and he was totally in the zone and no matter where he he was on the floor he was in range and it was fabulous and it was fun to watch and it was breathtaking and it was like you got to call your buddies like dude are you watching this and and on top of that yes his vi- his court vision his enthusiasm his connection with other players and his age all combined to the fact that, and the fact that he is locked in for a number of years gives you great reason to be optimistic. Uh, but the defense needs some work. John is doing his show from Brothers in Broderpool. Your chance to go by, have a cold one, get set for the holiday weekend, get set for Pacers, Raptors. Uh, tonight, going to be taking place at the Fieldhouse. Se- is it 7.30 tip or 7, Eddie?
4: It is a 7.30 tip. 7.30 tip tonight. Of a new rule within the NBA is that you can't start a game on the second night of a back-to-back within 24 hours of the game. So of they the first. in that night. extra
1: half hour now, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy Mike Byron will be with me tonight, so if you see me, be sure and ask him if he has his wallet and his keys. It's the thing that um, we've yep. got to make sure of with him. Yep. Fred joins us on the program. Fred, how are you? I'm good, Jake. What's going on, man? Fred, I need you to tell me what you're thankful for, either in the world of sports or since last year's Thanksgiving.
10: Since last year's Thanksgiving, Jake, is what I'm most thankful for, man. As much as I messed up in 2023, my God chose down chose to reach down and touch me and wake me up every morning so that's that's what i'm most thankful for man
1: well we're we're happy about that as well fred you got big plans for the holiday
10: no not really man uh taking care of some things at the church and then going
1: to eat with the family man but other than that nothing big all right well uh, that sounds that hey that's big to somebody fred you know what i mean (laughs) I feel you. Know, I'm still waiting on that ride, Jake. The truck is rolling, man. <laughs> can listen, Fred. Wh- wh- where are we? Let me ask you this: Where are we going on our trip,
10: man? Anywhere, Jake. Man, I pick. I don't know where I'm going from day to day.
1: Can you give oh, me a horn good. blast real quick, Fred? Before we get to the Pacers, can you, Are you in the truck right now? No, I'm actually uh, in my car right now. All right, fair enough. Um, I'm telling you, we're gonna roll around. We got to stop and get like some snacks. At, like maybe we can go to a Bucky's and back. How's that? That sounds good to All right. me, man. I appreciate that. Okay, what's your thought on the Pacers, Fred? Uh, Jake, man, I love
10: the Pacers, man. I love that that it's a fun team to watch. But what really upsets me, man, is Tyrese is the team leader, man, and we always talking about there's no defense, correct? and Tyrese plays plays none. So if you following your leader, man, and your leader is just waving at people as they go past, I can't get with that, man. I play ball, Jake, man, and you got to play both ends. At least try on the other end. To me, Tyrese doesn't even try it, man. I watch him, I watch him, I isolate him, and, man, it's just ridiculous the defense that this guy plays, man. I know you want to get out and run and this and that, but you got to try to stop somebody. Slow somebody down, man. So at least run them into your help. Fred, man, let me I ask you this.
1: Reese, I love what he does, man. But it's just ridiculous. It's a turnstile on the, on the wings. There's no doubt. Fred, here's my question. Uh, when was the last time you went? You said you're a Pacer fan, right? Yes. How often do you go to Pacer games?
10: The uh, last one I went to, man, was when they played Cleveland. And uh, that home game...
1: Uh, the first game of the in-season uh, tournament. Okay. because But I can't promise, but like one of these games, I'm going to have an extra ticket and you're going with me. But we won't take the truck down because I don't know that we'll be able to park it in the garage, but, but, but I think we could just sit and talk about the defense during the course of the game. I feel you,
10: Jake. I'm with that. One more thing, Jake, real quick. I know it's almost time to go. But, man, on the coast, they need to – uh, lay up off the wide receiver man this guy has more receiving yard route yards than anybody in the league man and they still so obviously they just using him as a decoy so back up off the guy man His second year when we get somebody that can throw the ball down the field then he'll be more you're crack. talking about Pierce right Talking about Pierce. Okay. Guy, has, guy has more route yards than anybody in the NFL. So that tells me they're using him as a decoy. That's Fred, all I got, Jake. I appreciate you.
1: All right, man. Have a good Thanksgiving, all right? Fred and I are going to roll around, do a couple laps around 465 on the truck, and then go to the game.
2: We talking semi-truck?
1: Oh, yeah. He's a truck driver? I think Fred's a trucker, yeah. he. I, I told him I want to ride around. That's my dream job. My dream job is an over... When, when this job goes away, which could be any day, uh, then I'm going to be an over-the-road trucker. Uh, break a 1-9. Uh, so this Keister coming through uh, hot on the 1-5. I thought you were going to uh, Wyoming. Well, I'm going to drive to Wyoming. You're going to be a rancher? I, I'm going to take... No. Eight rescue dogs. There's eight stops between here and, like, uh, eastern Wyoming. Western, it gets too expensive. And I'm going to live there with the rescue dogs and, like, a bunch of books and and then Shannon can watch so her reality So you're going to be the Unabomber, TV. basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, I thought you don't have you don't have plumbing here. Now i got a Folgers can. That's fine. I'm good. I am good to go, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what well, can you tell us about your time with the Unabomber? Uh, Brendan, enjoy the games uh, tomorrow, calling the games, right, for the IHSAA over the course of the weekend. Eddie, good luck to your Decatur Central Hawks, right?
4: Thank you. Yes.
1: Uh, thank everybody, you. I appreciate it. I'm thankful for not only this opportunity, but for the fact that people actually listen to this Dog and Pony show each day, giving us a chance to come back and do it again the next day at noon uh be safe this holiday weekend enjoy it great time of year and we will talk to you on monday at noon querying company here on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan